And now, Chuck and Ruff go to the movies. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Chuck and Ruff Go to the Movies. My name is Jeffrey Chuck Norris, and I am joined by my brother and fellow nerd, Robert Ruff. Robert, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. How are you doing? Uh, I, I would be doing a lot better if I felt like I didn't just rush you into this. I, I think we had a little miscommunication on this time. Oh, it's all good. But uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. We only started a few minutes late, so that's not a problem whatsoever. Uh. Well, before we go and meet up with today's guest, guys, uh, I just have a few requests for all of our listeners, as usual. Be sure to give the show a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes, I got the Facebook account back up and running. Uh, uh, let's face it, I started a new page, but whatever. It's back up and running, and uh, we're doing a lot of great uh, stuff with it, so be sure to go check that out. It's the best way to keep up with everything that's happening on the show. Links to our social medias can be found in our show notes as well. Rate and review the show wherever you're capable of doing so. All reviews will get a shout-out on Instagram, Facebook, and on the show. And make sure that you're subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast from. Never miss an episode. Encourage everyone you know to do the same. So now, it's time to grab s'mores and stolen baseballs, and let's head to the theater and meet up with today's guests. So today's guests are no strangers to the show. They have joined me, uh, joined the show previously for some really awesome episodes to include Mad Max Fury Road, The Departed, Our Lord of the Rings Roundtable, and A Christmas Story. All these episodes are available to download and listen to, so please go give them a whirl. And welcome back to the show, Mark and Brooke from a podcast on Elm Street. Uh, podcast on Elm Street. I promise you, I haven't you been it. drinking. I, I, I swear. <laughs> as I take a swig. <laughs> yeah. Guys, welcome back to the show. How are y'all doing today? Fantastic. Doing great. How are you, man? Oh man, I am. I'm excited to be here. I've actually been so super tired up until the point we started recording, and now all of a sudden, I think I got my second win. So it's going to be a really fun episode. <laughs> I actually texted Brooke earlier. I was like, man, I am so fucking exhausted. I hope I can pull it together for Chuck because like, I'm not in the mood right now. But yeah, yeah I just got a, yeah, yeah, got a, just got a 13 hour shift. Oh, Jesus. Ouch. All right. Yeah. I'm not going to complain then. <laughs> I'll complain. I sent a Snapchat to somebody earlier today and they're like, dude, you look like death. I was like, I feel like death, but I got to pull through <laughs> because, you know, got a podcast tonight. Uh, but, uh, guys, again, I'm glad y'all are here. It's always a blast to have y'all on real quick. Let's do a shameless plug for your show. All right. As Chuck so graciously already did a partial introduction, we are a podcast on Elm street. Uh, we are a weekly horror movie podcast where each week we kind of dissect and rate, um, a podcast or uh, sorry, a movie, <laughs> that uh, one of us have chosen. Um, we're currently doing our September sequels month, which uh, has included Aliens and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, which is going to be released this week. Um, and then we have a couple more episodes lined up for the rest of the month. But uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't know. I missed anything or... <laughs> I think you hit it all on the head right there, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Aliens, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, I love both of those, so that's that's awesome, guys. I can't wait to listen to the Texas Chainsaw one. Yeah, we're doing a whole, like, every every episode this month is a movie that we've already done before Mm -hmm. as an episode, so it's a sequel to one of them. 
That's awesome. Well, yeah. Great plug, guys. Uh, again, happy to have you all here. Uh, aside from the movie that we're going to be talking about today, have you watched anything that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, something that has stuck out to you? Could be horror related, since that's the genre y'all work in, or it could be non horror if y'all want to step outside the box for a little bit. <laughs> all we've been doing is watching movies for like the past six months because we're in this competition with josh from the horror movie crew on who can watch the most movies in a year oh my god and it's yeah. been chaos man. who's winning just chaos brooke nice uh, i think i think we're me and josh are possibly tied now i don't know oh really how does josh yeah. have so time to watch all the these movies, movies you watch right he's are always giving like, oh. every movie you watch yeah we're on letterbox so we just uh we put the movies in as we watch them nice yeah, yeah. If you don't use Letterbox, I highly recommend it. It's a cool little app. What is Letterbox? Yeah. It's I don't know how to describe it. It's like basically you can go on and you can create your own lists and you can like make whatever list you want. So like I went through the Conjuring universe and I ranked each movie uh by like least or my favorite to my least favorite. Or you can just make a list of obviously movies watched in 2021 is the one that I'm looking at right now. Um but yeah, and you can like leave reviews or rankings, and if you like the movie or didn't like the movie, mm-hmm. and oh. there's like uh, different like articles and stuff. So like, yeah. one of them is like I follow some like horror, um, I don't know, company or something like that, and they post like you know top ten, I don't know, slasher movies or just <laughs> different articles about movies and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I am making a note right now to go check that out. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. It pretty cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, out of all the... Before you list off any movies you want to suggest, now I'm kind of curious. You mentioned you just went to the Conjuring universe and you just uh, ranked them from favorite to least favorite or whatnot. I kind of want to know what that ranking is because I just watched The Conjuring 3 not too long ago and I'm just very curious. Okay, I still have to... I haven't watched The Conjuring 3 yet. That's the last one that I need to watch. Uh Uh-huh. Because I watched them in chronological order. Okay. Um, so that one's not on the list yet, mm-hmm. but, uh, so for number one, I have the conjuring number two, I have the conjuring two, mm-hmm. three, I have Annabelle creation four, I have Annabelle, uh, five, I have Annabelle comes home, then the nun, and then the curse of La Llorona. Okay. Interesting. Gotcha. I've only seen two of the Annabelle movies. I haven't seen the other ones yet. Hmm. They're okay. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. You know, I don't do well with dolls. So, I mean, so. Yeah. I mean, y'all know that from when I did Dead Silence with y'all. I don't do well with dolls. So, I, I typically don't want to watch a movie yeah, about that. Yeah, grandma had some creepy dolls when we were growing up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Those porcelain Another big dolls. venture. <laughs> Fuck <Yeah>. porcelain dolls. <laughs> Another big uh, task that I've stupidly put on myself is watching all the James Bond movies, and then I'm going to rank them, too. Oh, oh nice. that actually sounds fun. But there's like 26 of them. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. You know, there are some really good ones out there. You know, when everybody yeah. thinks of James Bond, you know, certain names come to mind. You know, uh, Sean Connery, uh, Daniel Craig, obviously, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Roger Moore. Yeah, Roger Moore. You know, Roger Moore needs to get more credit. I actually enjoy the mm. Roger Moore Bond movies. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, a lot of the Sean Connery ones. And uh, Pierce Brosnan movies were fine. Uh, 
a couple of them were a little meh. Uh, mm. But quite honestly, you know, I th I feel like Daniel Craig is killing it. I just uh, I feel like they did him dirty in uh, the latest mm. one. Uh, what was that one that came after Skyfall? Um, why can't, oh, uh, why can't I think of a name oh. now? Um, hold on. Quantum of Solace came before it. Quantum of Solace, yeah, was before Skyfall. Spectre. Skyfall. Spectre, yeah. Spectre. That, yes. Yeah. And the new one comes out next month. Yeah, the new yeah, one comes next out. Month. Yeah, and that's going to be his last one. So I hope they do like do him better than they did in the last one. That Spectre was just such a weird movie. I, I had to watch it like three times and I still don't really understand what it was about. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm just not yeah. catching it. Do y'all feel that way? I think... I think uh, if you watch some of the older ones, because mm -hmm. they mentioned Spectre a lot in one of the ones that I just watched. I can't remember, but it's like a big deal in one of the in one of the Sean Connery ones. Okay, they talk they talk about Spectre a lot. So I'm assuming I haven't watched Spectre to be honest with you. Yeah. I haven't watched the that movie yet, but uh, I imagine maybe it has some sort of tie in. That's fair. Do a little research and maybe I can finally start piecing it together and it'll start making sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds like a fun uh, challenge. Go good luck with that. Let us know how it goes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's dive into this list of movies. So uh, do you have any movie recommendations for us? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I've been to the movies a few times. Uh, they've opened up here. Nice. Um, a couple I can recommend. Uh, Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. I absolutely love that movie. I thought it was so good. Um, just like it, it, it reminded me of a lot of movies, you know, like Truman Show, uh, Ready Player One, although it wasn't like as fan, um, like pushing the fan stuff on you as much as that movie. But uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Brian Reynolds is awesome, as always. I've heard a lot um, of great watched, things about it. Yeah, it was good. Um, and then I recently watched uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, it was great. Uh, it actually, I guess it just came out today that it's the highest rated Marvel movie on Rotten Tomatoes at 98%. Really? Ooh, yeah. Nice. I, mean, I really want to see that. Yeah, so do yeah. I. Yeah, because like, I don't know, like for me growing up, I'm sure you guys can attest to it too. Like we grew up with, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you know, those old Jackie yeah. Chan movies. And uh, this reminded me of a lot of it. And I really liked what uh, Marvel did with it. I had no idea he was Canadian too. Yeah, he was on uh, the show Kim's Convenience. Oh my god, that's why I recognized him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a Netflix show, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so good. And, really, uh, I saw the previews for it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm not sure what they're gonna do going forward. Unfortunately, the uh, the choreographer that did like the fight action scenes, he passed away actually. Oh shit. And he's the one that also did, I believe, Winter Soldier. I think. I think he choreographed the fight scenes in that too. So. Um, it's unfortunate, so hopefully they'll uh, find someone to stand in his shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then staving on the Marvel train, I've been watching the uh, What If series on Disney+. Plus. Yes, uh, yes. Good it's so good. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, the one today I watched, it's uh, right up our alley, Mark, you know, about zombies, so mm -hmm. I won't say too much about you it. But... You haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, so highly recommend it. It's uh, really good. IGN shit on that episode. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, fuck IGN. I won't, I won't <laughs> give anything away, though. But, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Nice. Mark, what do you got? Cool, cool. Um, 
I don't know, sticking with the horror. I have two Shudder originals that I watched recently. Um, one of them is called Jacob's Wife. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of like a, it, well, it is a vampire movie, but it's a different take on on the subgenre. Like, it's not just strictly a vampire movie. It's about, like, female empowerment and shit like that, too. But in a good way. Well, okay. Wow, I worded that really wrong. <laughs> really wrong. <laughs> it's okay. about female empowerment without, like, throwing it in your face, if that makes sense. I don't know. Just delete this part out of it. It's a good movie. Um, and another one is called Superhost. Uh, it just got added to it. Um, it's it's crazy, man. Like it's about this couple that uh, they have a YouTube channel and they go to like Airbnbs basically and just like document their whole trip and like give it a review and whatnot. And uh, this last one that they go to, the owner of it is just absolutely crazy. But it had uh, it had rental vibes, Brooke. Okay, I was gonna ask you that. That's what it kind of mm-hmm. sounds like. Yeah. It was really good. And not some, well, they're not new movies at all. They're from the 80s. But I watched War Games for the first <gasps> time in like 20 nice. years. I love that love movie. It. Uh, it's so good, man. And uh, I watched Over the Top, which is a Sylvester <laughs> Stallone movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't think yes. I've ever seen that. Oh, really? Man. Really? Oh, he got to watch it. The the concept of it is so like <laughs> so stupid, but it's so good. It's so over time. the top. It's over the top. Yay, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he's basically an arm wrestler, and yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the tagline for it is is so good. I forget what it is, but yeah. some fight for money, some fight for glory. He's fighting for his son's love. <laughs> <Jeez>. Okay, <laughs> I'll add oh, that man. to my list now. <laughs> it was pretty good, though. Pretty good. I've never seen it before, but I'm glad I watched it. Awesome. You know that um, one you were talking about, what was it? Um, Superhost? Is that what it was called? Yep. And that reminded me a lot of this really random movie I watched on Netflix. Uh, uh, 13 Cameras, I think is what it was called. Oh, yeah. 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 Where uh, like these families. Go to these hou- yeah. And this guy installed cameras in these houses. And when these families are there, he's literally just like spying on he being a creep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I got yeah. I got that kind of vibe from when you were describing that movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. Okay, really weird. Had some similarities for sure. Cool. Cool. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not really. I watched Batman Returns, but I mean, I could That's a spend a whole episode talking about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, in a good way yeah. or a bad way? Oh, great! Way. Oh, great way! Isn't <laughs> it such a fantastic movie? It, really it was my favorite Batman movie until The Dark Knight came out. I yeah. absolutely agree. Although, you know... Tim, Tim Burton. Don't hate me. Batman Forever did have some good qualities to it. It did. It did. Batman and Robin just was awful, but Bat- was awful. Batman was Forever awful. had some great qualities, and it did not live up to Batman or Batman Returns, but it still had it. It's still good in its mm-hmm. own weird way. Yeah. Val Kilmer was decent. Yeah. yeah I was going to yeah. say, just bring that up... Uh, Speaking of Batman, like I don't know if you guys watched the new Val documentary yet. I did. Not yes, yet. it was very good. No, yeah, okay. Well, he he talks about him playing Batman, and it's uh, it's pretty eye opening. It's kind of sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, won't get too much into it, but yeah, I highly recommend it. All mm-hmm. right. 
All right. Speaking of Batman Returns, who's excited to see Michael Keaton uh, reprise the role of Batman oh. in the upcoming Flash movie? I am. Yes, I am. So yeah. excited. I, I pretty yeah, much figured that's awesome. the only reason I'm going to go see that movie now. Mm-hmm. I just want to see Michael yep. Keaton again. That's probably why they cast him, because they knew exactly. that nobody's going to go watch <laughs> right. it. I mean, you know, Ezra Miller is doing a decent job as The Flash, and I, I feel like they could do a lot, especially since they're wanting to do The Flash point. And mm-hmm. obviously, they've proven this fact that they are going to be expanding this universe and bringing in, you know... They talked about uh, not just Michael Keaton, but there were rumors that they were going to try to bring in Ben Affleck's Batman and all the other different mm. Batmans that they could think of. Uh, uh, not Val Kilmer. And I think George Clooney would basically give them the big middle finger if they ever said, hey, reprise your role as Batman. <laughs> but, you know, I I'm excited for the Flashpoint movie, but I got even more excited when they said that Michael Keaton wasn't just going to have a small role. He was going to have a significant role in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like. Heck yeah, let's bring back that Batman, please. I think it could open up the door for the much-needed Batman Beyond movie. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very true. Yeah. Just saying. What what do you guys think about Pattinson being a Batman? I'm for it. I I need to see it. I need to see it to believe it. I don't know yet. He gets shit on so bad just because, oh, he's that guy from Twilight. Right, he does. But he's he's such a good actor. Oh, I know. Yeah, but yeah, but him and like Daniel Radcliffe and like all those guys, they're gonna get that stereotype, and it's stupid because they've had amazing roles since then. Yeah, Daniel but, Radcliffe's not a bad actor. He just chooses some really weird yeah. movies. Although Guns Akimbo is just such a fantastic <laughs> movie. <laughs> I love that he does that though. Same yeah. with Elijah Wood. I think we've talked yeah, about yeah. this before. I'm sure. Um, but like those two, they it's like they just browse fucking craigslist for the most random ass scripts they can find and they're like sign me up they can do that and like elijah wood's producing half of those things he's in now too Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so he's like he he doesn't care he he has that frodo money he doesn't care yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, he can do whatever he wants exactly it's like uh i was just watching the episode of big bang theory the other night where uh james earl jones guest starred on it and he's like i've got star wars money let's go blow it or whatever he says you know i feel like that's how elijah wood is like i've got lord of the rings money to last me the rest of my life yeah uh robert what have you been watching um, haven't watched too much. I watched uh, Reminiscence, that new Hugh Jackman movie. Mm. Ooh, how was it? Um, it was good. It reminded me a lot of Minority Report. Okay. Okay. Um, it was it, it it was good. It takes place in the future, and uh, it takes place like they get to see people's memories. Um, you you go to an actual machine to and hook up it to look at your memories, but the people who are there conducting it actually get to see your memories too mm. so it kind of goes into a whole murder thing and it, 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 it was interesting i didn't think it was great but it, it was it was a good watch mm. and other than that i really haven't watched much else i've been watching a lot of documentaries lately so that's really about it nice so. the description yeah. you gave there on that movie kind of sounds like a black mirror episode almost see that's exactly yeah. what i thought too i thought it was a mix between black i almost said that too but i didn't i thought it was a mix between black mirror and uh, minority report mm. 
Yeah. Because there wasn't that episode of Black Mirror where they did that. You could you could rewind in your head yeah. and you could you could you could display mm. on a TV or your memories so people could see them. But in this one, other people could see your memories just when you're remembering them. In Black Mirror, you actually had to project it for somebody else to see it. But that's a really good episode, though. It is a fantastic episode. Uh, yeah. Wasn't there a bidding war between a couple of people about who was going to get the rights to that episode to make it a movie? I, I think I read that somewhere. No, like I, I think Ro- Robert Downey Jr. was like bidding for it, and uh, I'll, I'll have to find the article. I'll send it to y'all once I find it again. Uh, and you just watched The Prestige for the first time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I was about to say Whoa. that. I've never seen The Prestige, and I finally watched it two nights ago, and I loved it. I thought it was such, great. Such a good movie. One of Christopher Nolan's finest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It was a good a good twist at the end. Yeah. Yeah, Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale do a really good job playing off of each other. It was very believable mm-hmm. that they could have been like best friends, practically brothers in real life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love that twist. It's like you should have seen it coming, <laughs> but you never did. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one of those movies that like I could watch it like once a year, once every two years, but I try and space it out as much as possible so that like I don't forget the twist, but it's like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. There's one. My only critique about the entire movie is that I feel like Scarlett Johansson was kind of just I, that whole character almost was kind of out of place for me throughout the whole mm-hmm. movie. I could have done without that part. But like, you know, I just I love the whole idea. I love that twist. Uh, you know, I love David Bowie being in it. Just a lot of great I things that about too. that. What? I love that too, David Bowie. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. I didn't even know he was in that movie. Yeah, it doesn't look <laughs> like himself, you know? So it just uh, when I remember reading the credits like David Bowie. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, David Bowie. Uh, I haven't been watching anything either. There's only one thing I've watched, and that's Cruella on Disney Plus. I did watch that too. I forgot all about that. Yeah, and I is it good? I liked it. I really thought it was good. I did. Uh, Emma Stone's accent's a little oh, like her doing the British accent. You just kind of have to get past it a little bit because it's unusual. Mm. But uh, Mm. I I thought it was a very well done movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't think that she did a bad job with the accent, but yes, it was unusual for her doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying she did bad. It was kind of distracting because you know you've been watching Emma Stone since she bust onto the scene and super bad, and you're just used to a certain type of Emma Stone, and then here she is right. doing this British accent. She's a villain and stuff like that, and it's just. It, 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 I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It was just kind of distracting. And once you got past it, you're just like, okay, this this really is a great movie. Her and Emma Thompson are just absolutely phenomenal in this film. So I, mm-hmm. I recommend it uh, for being like an origin story. It was very well done. I did have a little uh, uh, issue with it, though. So they wouldn't let her do the signature cigarette on you know the stick thing like Corella had in the original 101 dalmatians because disney's didn't want to depict smoking on screen yet she was drunk for like a quarter of the movie so <laughs> disney's true. okay with that this is true. yeah <laughs> but she can't smoke oh, a cigarette man. god help the lengths all. they go to oh we gotta draw the line of smoking yeah oh man really really crazy well, those are all great movie suggestions, guys. I, I definitely made a list of a couple that I'm going to sit down and watch, so I hope our listeners uh, heard of some uh, they want to check out as well. So, this brings us to the game time portion of it. And normally, I would do a mystery question here. 
But as I sprung on all of y'all this morning, I came up with a better idea. I wanted to take the idea of the movie that we were talking about, The Sandlot, and I wanted each of us to come up with a concept to spin it into a horror movie. How can this movie become go from being a kid's baseball movie to a horror movie? And I can't wait to hear what we all came up with. And I'm sure it's all going to be fun and ridiculous. And any Hollywood producers out there listening to it, we are copyright copywriting this now. So you can't steal it. All right. So who wants to go first? Or should I bite the bullet and go first? I well, I'll just say, first. I was going to say to begin okay. with, I didn't really have time to come up with much. Okay. Because I was working all day, but... The what I what I thought about was just making the dog the central part of the movie. Okay. Being yeah. a horror movie where these kids are being chased by the dog the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, because the Sandlot Sandlot already has like somewhat of like a brief horror element to it with the story of right. the beast with the beast. And Mr. Myrtle. Yeah. Right. And, th- and that's kind of where I was coming w- up with this idea is like we could expand on that or we could even take the lore even further. Um, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, what did you come up with, Mark? All right. I'm glad you asked me first because I know Brooke has a doozy, (laughs) so I don't, I don't want to follow it up. Um, so I just quickly jotted down some notes. Um, the stories of the beast and Mr. Myrtle are true after his career got ruined by his injury. Uh, he starts kidnapping kids from the sandlot and goes full blown Leatherface on their asses. Uh, he cuts them up and feeds them to the beast all while drying out their skin to stitch new baseballs because beast continuously tears them all apart. Is your hand up? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm resting on. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were trying to tell me to stop. No, I'm I'm like, wow. No, I'm wow. I would have never thought about using the skin to make new baseballs. That is just phenomenal. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Amazing. We just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, I mean, fair enough. Uh, when this group of kids hits their ball into his yard, he befriends them like he always does um, with like each next batch of kids. Um, but Benny and Scotty end up hearing a noise from the basement. They come back that night to investigate and find one of the local kids tied up. Uh, Benny being the strongest of the group and Scotty being the smartest, they join forces to take him down and end his reign of terror on the town. After the credits, there's a scene that shows Bertram who the narrator says got a little too caught up in the sixties and nobody ever saw him again. So there's a scene that shows Bertram tied up and gagged when every, uh, when everyone thinks he just got too caught up in the sixties implying nice. that Mr. Myrtle still alive. That. I like that. That is awesome. Wow. I don't even want to follow up on that one. That is awesome. <laughs> and I'm so glad you brought up that little tidbit about Bertram in the sixties, because I have yeah. a whole, like, I have a whole thing in my notes on this. I really love that. Nice. So I can't wait yeah. to talk about that. And I'm glad all, y'all all seem to be agree on that. And we all seem to get caught mm-hmm. on that. Uh, that's awesome, man. I really, really like Thank that. Thank you. Uh, now, you said Brooke had a doozy. Brooke, can you top that? I don't know. I think so. So mine is, it could be a prequel to another uh, movie that has already been released. We'll Ooh. have to... Uh, think of it so hmm. my movie is called the sandlot blood in the sand oh <laughs> it's directed by m night Shyamalan. 
So, so there's a twist. Mr. Yes. Mr. Myrtle was blinded by Benny's dad, who was a professional baseball pitcher. Mm. For years, he planned and waited for just the right time to get his revenge. He vowed that no kid in his town would achieve the dream of being a professional baseball player, which was taken from him. When Scotty first moves to his new town, he has no friends. He then befriends Benny and the game. Benny tells Scotty that they can't play after 8 p.m. because kids have been disappearing from the baseball field. Only their bat and glove left behind. As the game starts disappearing, including squints, Scotty and Benny decide that they must do something and find their friends. They use the leader of the bullies as bait and are led to Mr. Myrtle's backyard where they find some kids left bloody and dead, but Squints is alive. He tells them that there is a beast here. Suddenly a man appears. His name is Dennis. Squint says, don't believe anything he says. He has multiple personalities. Mm. Mr. Myrtle then shows up and explains what Benny's dad did, and then Dennis transforms into the beast. Whoa. Wow. Interesting. I did some M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. I dig it. It goes right along with Split. Yes. That, that's M. Split. <laughs> yes. Oh, my yep. gosh. That's, I like movie. it. Ooh, yes. well, mine sounds so childish now. I'm, all right, fine. I'll share it anyway. All right, so I'm not, a, I'm not a writer or anything. All right, so here's my pitch. It's a normal summer for the boys of the neighborhood, a summer spent playing baseball at the Sandlot. Scotty is a new kid on the block and takes an interest in the game that uh, these boys play. Little do they know that when they invite him to join the game, they are inviting something sinister. Scotty, Scotty and his family belong to a demonic cult, and their purpose is to feed the demon with fresh young offerings. So Scotty brings in a cursed ball from his stepdad's collection. As soon as the ball is in play, the curse begins. Every time the pitcher strikes out a child, that child is dragged away to hell. Of the ball, uh, when the ball senses that the pitcher is purposely not trying to strike somebody out, the pitcher starts to become mutilated with each pitch till death overcomes them. The only way to stop the curse is for Scotty to take the ball out of play and return it to his stepdad. And if the boys try to walk away from the game, they too become mutilated with each step off the field. As long as you play, no mutilation. As long as you hit the balls, no death. And the game must always continuously play. No breaks. Things take a turn when, Benny's, when Benny hits a home run over the fence into the yard of another demon, a rival demon of the one Scotty's fam, that Scotty's family serves. Now it is a race against time to reclaim the ball, even before Scotty's family is consumed by the curse. Whoa. Hmm. I like it. Nice. I like, I like both of yours. That's awesome. Yeah. These are good. Yeah. Like <laughs> right? I said, Hollywood, you can't have them. Copyrighted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we demand big bucks. Someone yeah. find a film crew and call them right now. <laughs> See, we can make them like little short films, you like Sandlot yeah. horror fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, no need to fret. The scariest thing about today's discussion is the fact that the boys really believe that a beast lived in that backyard. <laughs> so brush up on your great Bambino knowledge and let's go play a game at the Sandlot. So a brief synopsis of the film that we are discussing today. Scotty is a new kid in town, and he belongs to a cursed... No, I'm kidding. Uh, and being the new kid <laughs> can be rough. 
It can be worse when it happens right before summer, therefore making it near impossible to make any friends. Yet Scotty is relentless as he pursues a group of kids from his neighborhood who like to gather and play baseball in the nearby sandlot. Knowing nothing about baseball, he hum humiliates himself in front of the group, uh, seeming to solidify his alone nature for the summer. Benny, who is the leader of the group of kids, takes pity on Scotty and invites him back to play. It's rough for the rest of the guys to accept him, but eventually they turn. After learning the finer points of the game and friendship, Scotty is informed of the local legend, the Beast. It resides in a yard neighboring the sandlot, and it collects all the home run balls hit over the fence. After Benny destroyed a ball with a terrific hit, Scotty borrows a ball from his stepdad, and when Scotty hits that ball over the fence, uh, it sends it directly to the Beast. Why is this bad? The ball was signed by Babe Ruth. Through a series of crafty projects, the boys attempt to retrieve the ball without suffering the wrath of the Beast. And that is the Sandlot, in a nutshell. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, some quick movie facts real quick. Uh, the film was released on April 7th of 1993. It had an opening weekend of $4.9 million and a total gross of $34.3 million. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 64% critic rating, which blows my mind. And, right? yeah, I'm just like, what yeah. the heck is this? Has an 89% audience score. So, what are our initial thoughts here just on this 64% critic rating? It's bullshit. That's why. Yeah, that's horrible. Like, why? Yeah. And I feel like a lot. Stuck. <laughs> well, yeah, and I feel like a lot of these types of movies back in the early nineties. I feel like they weren't really made for the critics. They were made, you know, for children, really. Yeah. Not only that, too, but like there was so many of these types of movies, and I talk about that at one point, like these coming of age movies like the 90s was riddled with them that's pretty yeah. much all that they released that's true for, like ki kids movies so i don't know if that has any effect on it or and you know this movie competed with another baseball kids baseball movie that same year rookie of the year yeah so which one's better oh i enjoyed this movie Say a lot yeah 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 i like rookie of the year though i thought it, was, it is a good movie funny. But I like yeah, it a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like Rook of the Year is more like sports heavy, whereas The Sandlot, yeah, it's a baseball movie, but like the real thing is just the friendships and stuff. Mm -hmm, for sure, absolutely. And even in the same time period, they had uh, Angels in the Outfield mm -hmm. came out, <clears throat> yeah, and also Little Big League. Mm -hmm. Oh where yeah, the, guy, the kid took a, uh, the control of the baseball team. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of movies like this in the in that time area. See, if mm -hmm. we're including Little Big League in this, that's actually my favorite like kids baseball movie. That's the one I still watch that okay. all the time. I love that movie. It's a fun movie. Uh, I don't think I've watched that since I was a kid. Yeah, I bought it like a few years ago on Amazon, and so I just I turn it on every once in a while. Like if I want, I'm trying to get Brecken. Like Brecken says uh, he wants to play baseball, so I'm like, oh, here, you know, here's a baseball movie. Learn. <laughs> just don't show them a league of their own no major league no, major, major league, league major league yeah oh. well even a league yeah, of their although own that I is a great movie i love that <laughs> both of them are great movies. they are great uh well i i took some screenshots of the critic reviews here so um if y'all have any to add go ahead and let me know but uh the first one i want to read is uh from renee rodriguez from the miami herald he says that's what the sandlot repeatedly does 
Confound your expectations. It's a charming and hilarious flick for kids, boys in particular will eat it up, that feels remarkably fresh even during its occasional foray into the cliche land. So I agree with this wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And he gave it a three out of four here. So it really is one of those, like, it's, I actually enjoy it. Like, anytime I'm ready to sit down and watch The Sandlot, I look forward to it. I'm excited about it. And I enjoy it from the moment it starts till the moment it ends. And, you know, mm-hmm. as an adult now, I feel nostalgic for that. Like, you know, no, me and my friends didn't go play baseball all the time, but I, you know, I missed hanging out with my friends. I missed going out and doing stuff. And, you know, that's kind of the whole point of the movie. It just happens to revolve around baseball. Like you said, it's those friendships they form and everything like that. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a feel good uh, movie. Mm -hmm. So I got a question for y'all. Go ahead. So what was the thing that around that age you and your friends did when y'all hung out? Like for them was baseball. For me, it was basketball a lot. We we would walk around the neighborhood and play basketball at random kids' houses. What was it for y'all? Uh, basketball for me as well and baseball. I've played baseball right from like T-ball and I still play slow pitch now. Um, it's always been a big part of my life. But yeah, sports, basketball, baseball. Uh, we played soccer quite a bit. I was never a big hockey player. I never learned how to skate properly when I was a kid, which is ridiculous because I'm Canadian. But, uh, <laughs> we so saw I that mean, here in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we we would play like pond hockey, but nothing. I never got really heavy into that. I was more into the other sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it was like road hockey and soccer yeah. pretty much. Wow. Am I like the road only non-athletic person here? i mean like i played little league but i mean uh like when i was hanging out with my friends i mean we usually just you know played out in the woods and stuff like that or like when uh Mm -hmm. uh, robert would know this when we moved away from the woods and actually into the little town where we grew up uh i just spent a lot of time over at my friend chance's house and normally that was just a lot of nintendo 64 a lot of goldeneye hell yes hell yes yes Goldeneye and Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we would do, like hang out and do that. No, we did a lot of video games too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, y'all did. <laughs> yeah. Um the other uh the other one I wanted to talk about, Roger Ebert. So I gotta throw good old Roger in here. He says, This is a movie that allows its kids to be kids, that shows them in the world of imagination and dreaming that children create entirely apart from adults whoa i totally screwed this up let me start this over real quick (laughs) haha roger ebert has this to say this is a movie that allows its kids to be kids that shows them in the world of imagination and dreaming that children create entirely apart from adult domains and values so that's playing up the whole idea of creating the beast out of a dog and stuff like that how they were imaginative with finding ways to retrieve their ball instead of just going and knocking on a door you know say hey my Mm -hmm. ball's in your yard can i go get it uh things like that so i i really like that he gave it a three out of four too but there was a there was a bad one that I I just, I cannot wrap my head around. So I'm going to go ahead and read it to y'all real quick. This is from Emma Cochran of Empire Magazine. She said, for every field of dreams, there are a dozen lesser, completely incomprehensible baseball movies. And this is one of them. 
Come on. Really? You're comparing a <laughs> children's Yeah. Yes, it's about baseball, but can we really call it a baseball movie? You're comparing a children's baseball movie to Field of Dreams? You're I not getting Field yeah. of Dreams over here. What do you want, Emma? It's not supposed to be Field of Dreams. It's not supposed to be anything like Field of Dreams. Exactly. That's not the point. Although there are a lot of similarities with a couple of actors, and we'll discuss that later. But yeah. it's not Field <laughs> of Dreams. If you want Field of Dreams, watch Field of Dreams. If you want to watch bad right. acting, watch Kevin Costner. <laughs> Sounds like Emma didn't have any friends to play with when she was a kid. <laughs> That's probably a fair uh, fair assessment too. Um, <laughs> and what was the last one I had? Uh, I lost it. Oh, there it is. So James Ber- <clears throat> Berardinelli. This is a good one. Predictable as the movie is, the field of dreams quality is not the only thing to like about the Sandlot. So again, now there's another comparison to Field of Dreams, but they say it in a positive. That's because that movie had just come out, though. Was that uh, didn't that movie too? come out the same year? Didn't, was it or was it before? Maybe that's the late '80s. Was it the late '80s? I don't know, Kevin Costner. I don't, I don't know. Let me see. I, I know Tin Cup was the '90s. Doing a quick look up here. Field of Dreams is a big okay, thing I'm right sorry, now. '89. Within the past four years. Yeah, it is a big thing right now. So it came out in 89. Oh, okay. Mm. <clears throat> there you go. When did Tin Cup come out? Now, now I'm curious that about that. that like, <laughs> no, that was probably like 97, 98. Yeah. 96. Nice. 96, yeah. Very good. Very good. So that's all I had for uh, the critic reviews uh, to go along with that critic ratings. Uh, did y'all have any that I didn't hit on or that y'all wanted to share? Uh, no. I didn't I even check on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I wrote down one. The Sandlot isn't just a baseball movie. It's bright, uncynical look back at the joys of childhood, which is what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be mm-hmm. Field of Dreams or anything else. And then another one I wrote down, uh, The Sandlot is a classic because so much of the film focuses on time spent off the field. It's not a movie about baseball players. It's a movie about kids who happen to play baseball. Jeez, did Brooke write that one? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much exactly what you said. I like that. I do like that uh, critique, though. Yeah. It really is. It's it's not a baseball movie. It's just a movie about kids who play baseball. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely it. It's... Mm -hmm. We get a lot of them like in the treehouse and like at the carnival and working together to get the ball back. Like, yes, that's at the ball diamond, but they're not playing. Mm -hmm. They're all like figuring out ways that they can get this ball back. And we see a lot of like Scotty's home life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's not like every moment of the movie is Mm -hmm. on the ball field. In fact, there's only two parts in the whole movie (laughs) where they're actually playing baseball and that's at the beginning of the movie when they're at the school and then when they're playing the uh playing the actual baseball team uh mm-hmm. during like the whole bully sequence so those are the only times but, yeah, where baseball that's what i say at, being played yeah that's what i say at one point too in my review or something <laughs> but uh they never actually play a game it's always just a glorified practice mm-hmm. right yeah Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what Scotty was saying in the movie too. Like they just they don't play. They just they just practice all day long and they love mm-hmm. it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even when they lose the balls, like at the end, you know, Benny and the rest of the kids are like not even 
bummed that they can't play anymore. Like, there's like, oh, whatever, you know, we'll just hang out together. No, pick up tomorrow. Yeah. 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 They, there's even a day they don't want to play. They just want to go do something like go swim at the pool, you know? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just about hanging out. You know, it's like that meme that you see every once in a while pop up on Facebook, you know, um, where it's just like you you never know when the last time you're all going to hang out together is the last time, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah, that's Such that's important to thought. them. You know, they just want to be together. And that's kind of how the movie ends. They just they slowly. It's the last time for each person. Slowly drift apart. Yeah. And I love that they the narrator makes note that they never replaced one of the ones that left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every time they left, they just kept playing without that person. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we started touching on this a little bit, so why don't we just get there? Why are we here talking about this movie? What drove us to want to talk about this movie? So, uh, Mark Brooke, I know y'all actually mentioned this movie to me or brought this up movie up to me quite a while ago, and it's taken mm-hmm. us a little while to get here. So, but why is this movie special to y'all? Why did y'all want to talk about it? I think this was me that put it on our list of movies okay. that we sent you. Yeah, like for me, um, Mark did pick this movie. Like, I still like this movie a lot. Um, but like Mark and I grew up with different sports, like he mentioned already, like he played baseball, I played hockey. So like my, my comparison to this movie for me is the Mighty Ducks. Like I grew mm-hmm. up watching that movie so much, even D2. Mm-hmm. So I love that movie like more than this one, like personally, um, mm-hmm. just, it means more to me, but, uh, yeah, Mark can probably touch on why he likes this movie so much and why it means so much to him. Yeah, so, I mean, I grew up in the 90s. I, I was born in 89, so I was almost like a 80s baby, if you could say. But, I mean, um, once I started getting to the age of being able to watch movies, this one had come out. Uh, the Little Giants, The Big Green, Rookie of the Year, The Mighty Ducks. Yes. Like like I mentioned before, all these movies were like um, coming of age, like sports movies. And I was always a baseball kid. Um, I already mentioned all this, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, (laughs) but, uh, of all the, of all the movies that I just mentioned, this one always felt the most real to me. Like rookie of the year has like this fantastical sort of thing to it where he like, he's able to pitch like a, a superstar in, in the MLB, um, the mighty ducks. Well, I don't know this one. Okay. We've already talked about it. It's not necessarily a sports movie and that's why it feels more real to me is that it's it's about the friendship and the camaraderie and the the bickering the name calling the razzing the like the fighting between the bullies and them and like some of the name calling that they say was just absolutely ridiculous between that exchange between ham and and the head bully um and like i just feel like this movie was filmed amazingly the script is awesome for the time like when you're watching it as a kid you're like oh shit i'm gonna jot this one down and use it in the schoolyard um but this movie's always just held a special place in my heart as one of if not my favorite sports movie from that time period and if i had to choose another one from that list it would be the little giants that was a huge one for me back then i, like that I movie used a lot. to love that movie it's really good yeah it is icebox yes yeah yeah 
I miss Rick Moranis making but, yeah. movies. Oh, Me man. too. He came back, did he not? He's supposed to come He's back for that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing. They're going to be yeah. on Disney. but uh, And then he did that Ryan, mm. that commercial for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than that. Yeah, his kids are all grown up now, so he might come back to acting now. Be nice. God, I hope so. You know, love to see him again. Yeah. Uh, Robert, how about you? What What about this movie? I mean, aside from the fact that you're a host of this show, and so you're going to talk about this movie. <laughs> you know, why would you want to talk about this movie in an everyday situation? Well, because you made me, and no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, actually, this movie came out. The, so the kids in this movie are what? Between 11 and 12 years old? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This movie came out when I was 11 years old. Mm. I was born in 82, so their experiences, their camaraderie, playing with kids. I wasn't a baseball fan growing up at all, um, but for some reason I always did like baseball movies. Mm. Uh, not really sure why, but I think I didn't like baseball because I didn't understand baseball. Um, I wasn't in Little League. I didn't grow up playing or watching baseball. Now I love baseball. I'm, I, I'm actually going to Dallas next week for a, for a baseball game. The nice. Rangers and the Astros, but um, but yeah, so it, it wasn't really much the baseball for me. It was it was the the kids and the friendships and the the long lasting friendships. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I loved about the movie. That's what I still love about the movie. And even the a couple of days ago, I was watching the movie. I haven't watched it in a while. And as I was watching, I was like, wow, this this movie just really holds up. You know, it's mm -hmm. such a good movie every time you watch it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really has held up over the like, years. Nothing because all the themes are, you know, tr can translate across time. It really can. Mm -hmm. We yeah. all have that group of friends that is so tight knit that right. like you could e you either a um, talk to each other every single day or B, you can go like months without talking and still have that strong bond. Absolutely. Yeah, just pick up right where you left off last time you saw each other. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of the best coming-of-age movies because, you know, Scotty, he's this new kid to town and he doesn't have many friends and he tries to befriend Benny, who plays baseball, and Scotty, you know, sucks at baseball. Mm. And, you know, they're still trying to teach him how to play, but also, like, harass him a little bit. And, uh, like, they, they're trying new things, you know, the chewing tobacco scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about oh. later. Um, so yeah, I just think it's a great coming-of-age movie. Mm -hmm. It's funny because, like I said, I was 11 when this movie came out. When I was 12, when I, I was living in San Antonio, big city here in Texas. And then um, when I was 12, I moved out to the country. And I had no friends at all. Little podunk town in Texas, no friends at all. And sports was actually the way I made friends because I played football. I played basketball. Um, so my friends were Texas Tech fans. So I became a Texas Tech fan just to, you know, fit in. And I've been a lifelong Texas Tech fan ever since, you know. Nice. We I, we try not to hold that against him ever. <laughs> yeah, you're <a> Texas fan. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I for me, I I grew up playing little league. You know, I would like to. I would say that my father forced me to do it, but there was a small part of me that enjoyed it. I don't watch a lot of baseball now. I don't play baseball. Uh, now that my son wants to get into it, I'll probably get back into it myself. Uh, but uh. I like baseball movies, too. We mentioned uh, a bunch of great ones earlier. Rookie of the Year, Little Big League, Angels in the Outfield, mm -hmm. um, A League of Their Own, Major League. I mean, you you name it. If it's a baseball movie, I'm, I, I really enjoy watching baseball movies. But the best thing about this movie is that it's not a baseball movie. I love that whole childhood right. thing. Uh, you know, the friendships mm -hmm. and stuff like that. These are long-lasting 
memories that they're making and yeah they're going to drift apart and all that fun stuff but that's life and i feel like that's a great lesson to teach a kid at that particular age is that life moves on uh you're not always going to have the same people surrounding you all you know all the time robert you learned that lesson around that age i didn't learn that lesson until after middle school when i moved to florida from texas and i had to start all over and make all new friends and stuff like that i didn't go the sports route i was the band geek and that's where i made a majority of my friends was from band uh and stuff like that but you know it's it's difficult you know you feel like the outcast and you want to be accepted. You want to get invited to go do something with them because then that's how you're going to, you know, make friends and meet other people and stuff like that. So I get it. And I also have a very overactive imagination. Even at 35 years old, I still have a very, very good imagination, in my opinion. So, like, uh, I can I can sit there and relate to these kids, you know, creating a monster out of nothing, you know, believing a beast and stuff like That's why I couldn't watch certain mm -hmm. types of movies when I was a kid because I truly believed that they, they were going to happen. Twister scared the crap out of me. I thought we were just going to get hit by tornadoes <laughs> left and right. Jurassic Park, dinosaurs were just going to come out of nowhere and get us. Uh, I had never even seen a Chucky movie until high school, but I had nightmares about Chucky doll coming after me. So, I mean, my imagination was going crazy and th that's what these kids did. So, this is a fun movie mm -hmm. to watch. Uh, it doesn't... It, the ideas don't fade with time. At 35 years old, it is it hits me in new and better ways, but also the same ways as when I watched it when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And with that... Well said, Chuck. Thank you. Well said. Um, with that, let's talk a little bit about this absolutely fun little cast in this movie. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is... Um, and the only reason I'm bringing him up first is because IMDb listed him first, and I have absolutely no idea why. Uh, Art LaFleur as the great Bambino, Babe Ruth. That was weird. I know. I was just like, why is yeah. he yeah, first? That's weird, too. If you look at the end credits, he's actually the first mm -hmm. thing that comes up, too. That's weird. Yeah. It's like, is that something he I'm negotiated? If... That's what I was just going to say. Like, yeah, I'll come on for 30 seconds as long as I'm <laughs> yeah. the head, head guy on the credits list. Yeah. But he played the great Bambino, Babe Ruth. Um, he's also got uh, ties to Field of Dreams. He was mm -hmm. in that. Uh, again, it's been a while since I've seen Field of Dreams. I also believe he played a baseball player who was dead, right? He was one of the ghost players. Right, yeah. that came out of the Yeah, corner, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So uh, kind of a, kind of a similarity there. Um, he's also been in uh, a bunch of things, including the sequel to the movie Robert and I talked about recently, The Santa Claus. He was in The Santa Claus 2 and The Santa Claus 3 as the Tooth mm. Fairy. Uh, he's been in uh, the movie The Replacements. Fun football movie. Great movie. I it's love that movie. It's a fun movie. So it really is. Uh, Maverick. Great Western. Love that movie, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, Bunch of other stuff. Did I miss anything here? No, he, don't think so. No, he's always reminded me of uh, the guy from Cheers. I think it was Cheers. He reminds like Norm. He reminds me of uh, yes, um, Norm. He reminds me of I forget what sitcom he was on, but he's on uh, Modern Family right now. Um, Plays like the grandpa. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Okay, I can see what you're talking. Uh, about. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, they yeah. do. They, they yeah. kind of have a similar. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Actually, scratch that. He doesn't remind me of Norm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I'm looking at a picture. Look wise, like look wise, <laughs> not not maybe the way he talks or yeah. acts, but yeah, kind of like a if if you were staring at them from behind, if you had Norm standing on one side, the guy who plays Norm, and then you had Art Lafleur standing on one side, you might not be able to tell them apart. Who knows? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to help you out here. Oh, what? Man of the House. That was a good yes. movie too. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Chevy now, Chase. The, yeah. That was a fun movie. Now yeah. that I'm looking at Norm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up on the list, uh, so the kid who played Scotty Smalls, um, Tom Geary. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering his name. Geary? Yeah. Geary? Sounds good to me. It wouldn't yeah. be an episode of this show if I didn't butcher somebody's name. Uh, he actually <laughs> hasn't been in a whole lot. No, he's got a very short list, uh, but he's been in some really cool things. So not just the Sandlot. He was in Black Hawk Down. Um, There's a lot of people in Black Hawk Down. There was a lot of people in Black Hawk Down. Uh, He was in a movie called Mystic River, which is a depressing-ass movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeez. uh, Tigerland was another one that he was in. And uh, a couple of other things that I didn't recognize. So one of those child actors who really didn't move on. I mean, he still does stuff, but it's like smaller stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list, uh, Mike Vitar. Uh, he's the one who played Benny. Uh, again, one of those recognizable mm-hmm. faces, not just Benny, but he was in uh, Mighty Ducks 2 and Mighty Ducks 3. Uh, he was mm-hmm. also in... Um, actually, those were his major roles right there. Sandlot, yeah. D3, yeah, and D2. Much. Or D2 and D3. He hit D3 and just did nothing yeah. after, pretty much. Do you know what he does now? What? He is a firefighter in LA. Hey! Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for him. Cool. And I don't know if you know this, but the guy who played him was, as the grown-up was his real yeah. brother. No, dad. I was just going to bring that up, yeah. I thought it was his yeah. dad. So, yeah, that's kind of why he looked like him. <laughs> no, it was his brother, his older brother. Oh, okay. My bad. It's one of those Vera Farmiga and Thaisa Farmiga yeah, situations. Yeah, like... Mm. It's hard to believe they're <laughs> sisters. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Th- yeah. That that That's threw crazy. me for a loop when because I remember seeing her name like on the first season of um uh American Horror Story and it's like God American Horror Story, yeah. It's like, God, that name looks familiar. I wonder if there's any relation and it turned out there was. I was like, wow, that's weird. <laughs> uh next one up on my list, Patrick Reyna, who uh played uh sorry. Like choking over here. Hold on. <clears throat> Add popcorn earlier. He played ham. He played ham. He played Thank ham. you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he played ham, the catcher in this movie, but he's also been in a bunch of other movies, like one of my favorites, Son in Law. Son in Law. Great yes. movie. Uh, the Big Green, you brought up that movie earlier. Yeah. Uh, and then he's been in a couple of other things. There was one in here that actually sounded kind of interesting Dark Ride. Have you ever heard of that? No, uh-uh. I'm looking no. it up right now. Yeah, though. it's like a horror movie. Ooh, 4.6 out of 10. Then that must mean it's good. That's true. <laughs> it's on IMDb. Huh. Yeah, he uh, he just recently came to TikTok and yeah, he still man. looks he still looks the exact yes, same. It's crazy. He did those commercials. Oh, what? He's he so was in those commercials a couple years ago. I can't remember the commercials now, but I was like, hey, look, it's what's his face from Sandlot. 
Yeah. Uh, next. He was in. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. sorry. He was in two episodes of Glow as well. Glow. Was I don't he? know if you've watched that. He was that in Glow, not. yes. I watched that show. I don't remember. I forgot he was in Glow. He played Cupcake. Yeah. Okay. In the first season. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that that Netflix show? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Glorious Ladies of Wrestling. Had what's her face from Community Actually, that might have been in it, right? Al- uh, Allison Brie. Yes. Allison yeah. Brie. Allison Brie. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, I love me some Allison Brie. I tell you what, um, Dave Franco is a lucky man. Oh, me too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. She is one of my celebrity crushes. Yeah. Absolutely. Next one up on the list, Brandon Quinton Adams. Uh, he was the kid who played um, De Nunez, so the pitcher in this movie. He was also in The yeah. Mighty Ducks and D2, yeah. and he was in D3, right? It's been a while. I don't think he was in D3. Was he not? I don't... Let's see. I wrote down D1 and D2, but I didn't write down D3. Maybe I just missed yeah, it. Yeah, he played Jesse Hall in The Mighty Ducks uh, fan... Uh, franchise i don't know if he was in the third one i didn't i didn't get that far down he wasn't actually he wasn't oh Hmm. weird and uh he was also in a little movie in 1991 the people under the stairs great movie i haven't seen it in years (laughs) but i do remember it being fun yeah same he was in two episodes of fresh prince too and i just recently did a uh like a replay of all those episodes and he was really good in that he was only in a couple episodes but i love that show yeah it is a good show except i i i I don't like the butler's name being jeffrey that's actually why i don't like my name (laughs) are you serious yeah because i always thought my name sounded too fancy like jeffrey and then as soon as i say it like that i think of fresh prince of bel-air um did you guys know never heard this before they're bringing that show back actually are they really? Oh yeah, yeah. They They're just doing cast, a reboot. They just cast. Uh, yeah, they just cast Will Smith's character. Yeah, it's supposed to be more of a drama no, than a, reboot, a comedy a remake. this time, right? I yeah. think so. Are they, are they doing a remake yeah. of it, like with different people all together? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't like. Uh, that. But I think Will Smith stupid. is supposed to be like yeah, a producer horrible. on it or something like that. Hmm. They're actually doing that the Wonder Years too. Yeah, a whole yeah. new family, a whole different family. I saw that, and and from savages behind that. I'm not, I'm not a yeah. fan of that idea, but whatever. I like that idea more than D- I, true. I, I <laughs> true. do too. I like that more than Fresh <laughs> Prince. <Yeah. friends. laughs> uh, um, yeah, Brandon Brandon Quinton. What's his Adams. last name? Adams. He was in uh, some stuff with Michael Jackson too. Moonwalker, right? He, he was in, I just had it. Yeah, so he was in Moonwalker, mm-hmm. and then he was in the Smooth Criminal video. And apparently there's a, what is that? A 48-minute Smooth Criminal, I don't know if that's a movie or, like, what is that? Anyways, but yeah, he's in that too. And he played the same character in all three of them too. Yeah, Zeke. Zeke, Zeke. yeah. It's pretty it's cool. Next up on the list, Dennis Leary. So now we're starting to get into the hmm. big names of this uh, uh, movie. So Dennis Leary played the stepdad in this film, um, who's uh, the owner of the Babe Ruth baseball. But Dennis Leary has been around for a while. He's been in some really big things like Rescue Me, which is a fantastic show if you've never seen Rescue Me. Uh, he's been... Yeah, my two friends... Oh, sorry, my two friends, they were obsessed with that show. It, it really is I've never good. seen it, but they were... Loved it. 
Uh, I I was a little <laughs> pun intended, I guess, leery about seeing that show, but uh, I really got into it. it was, nice, it was really good. Um, you know the Thomas Crown affair, uh, of course, the Amazing Spider Man. Uh, he played Captain Stacy, Ice Age franchise, a whole like slew of stuff for Dennis Leary. The ref. The ref. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. The ref. I like that. Oh, one. Demolition That's Man. We've one. talked about that movie before. Demolition yes. Man. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a bunch of good stuff. Dennis Leary is a good actor. Um, I'm I'm on IMDb right now, like going down the cast uh-huh. list. So Timmy and Tommy, the two brothers, mm. did they ever uh, take different paths in looks? As they grew up, holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I skipped Poor over Tommy. some of the kids because, like, I, I was just like, I don't know anything that they've done. So sorry yeah, about that, no, guys. For sure. No, no, no. I hit good. the ones that I figured everybody would recognize a little bit more. But yeah, no, they, yeah. they yeah. completely different path. Like, looked nothing alike. Like, how did how did they even pass as brothers? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we could have talked about Squints. We could have talked about Yaya. Uh, Yaya, actually, the guy who played Yaya all, was also in Black Hawk Down, if I remember correctly. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Either the guy who played Yaya or the guy who played Squints. I might be getting them mixed up. Yeah, and the guy that played uh, Squints, uh, Chauncey Leopardi, he was uh, in the Casper movie. Mm-hmm. And then they... Logic brought him back for his music video that came out like yeah, two years right. ago. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about he that. He looks like Logic. He does look like Logic. Yeah. He does. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh shit, he was in the Sandlot three. What? There was a three. Yeah, there's two sequels from it. Yeah, and uh, they're making a prequel as well. I will never watch any of them. Yeah, I can guarantee yeah. you that. I never watched anything past the first. Yeah, no, it's not worth me it. either. Not unless they have the same people in it. Well, apparently Squints is in the third one. Well, uh, I want the whole. Yeah, I I think Squints is on all of them. Is he? I think so. He might not be in second, but I thought he was in all three of them. I could be wrong about that. He was in the big green as well. No, he wasn't in the second one. No, he wasn't. Okay, not that I can see, anyways. So it's just one of those things, like, hey, we need to get a like a character from the original movie to kind of make the third movie valid. Yeah. Who's available? Squints? Okay, oh, let's get him. Shit. He was in Freaks and Geeks, too. Was he? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Huh. Who does he play in that? Must have been a small role. No, he's in all ep- all nine episodes. Okay, I guess hmm. like I need I need to sit down and do a rewatch of that. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. Freaks and Geeks. Okay, sorry. No, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I I just skimmed through their IMDb's real quick, so I easily overlooked that. Wow. Um, next one up on my list, Karen Allen. So Karen Allen, uh, a name you would know if you were a, a huge Indiana Jones fan. She was in the yes. first Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then she was in um, <clears throat> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, the the, the, yeah, the one yeah, we don't talk about happened. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she was also in uh, Animal House, National Lampoon's Animal House, and uh, a little movie mm. called Starman, just to name a few. Yes. You want to hear a little bit of trivia? Ooh, do I? She was considered for the role of Princess Leia. Ooh. Yeah. Carrie Fisher was better. No. 
Yeah, yeah. it's good, Carrie Fisher. You can, yeah, Carrie yeah. Fisher is the only Princess Leia. And I know we I say that because like Karen Allen could have been cast as Princess Leia, and then we'd be sitting here saying, "Yeah, Karen Allen would have been better than you, Carrie Fisher." But <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing. We always do that, you know. No, mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher. Every time we do the the casting what ifs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carrie Fisher is the best one. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Karen Allen, uh, she's been in quite a few uh, things in her career, but those are the most notable ones uh, that I pulled from her little resume. And then, of course, you cannot talk about the Sandlot without talking about Darth Vader. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, James Earl Jones <laughs> is in this movie uh, for his very short appearance as uh, the owner of Hercules, which is the actual name of the beast. Uh, of course, yes. James Earl Jones doesn't need to be introduced. Star Wars. Um, the Lion King. Both adaptations of The Lion King, by the way. The live-action one is stupid. The animated one rules. Uh, the Hunt for Red October. All sorts of really... Um, coming to America. Great movies. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Again, another <laughs> baseball connection there. Yeah. And you know what? He's not even a baseball fan. He doesn't like baseball. Weird. What? Huh. Yeah. Weird. Huh. But yes, James Earl Jones. And then uh, the last uh, last one I actually have written down is uh, Marley Shelton, who plays Wendy mm-hmm. Peppercorn. Can't talk yes. about Marley Shelton without thinking of... So I, I, I remember texting Robert this the last time I watched The Sandlot. I'm like, so I'm staring at her, and I'm staring at her, and I'm just like, I know this girl from somewhere, obviously, besides just watching her in The Sandlot. It took me forever to realize that she was in Scream 4 as Deputy Judy. Yes. I was like, man, yes. she doesn't look like she's aged a day. She really doesn't. She's going to be in the new Scream too, yeah, she is. as well. Is she? Or the new also, yeah. Scream. This one is at least on her IMDb. Yeah. Scream 5, but let's call it Scream, because we can't think of anything original. Yeah, right? Jeez. <laughs> Scream 5 and. Like, uh, from, besides this movie, I always recognize it from Bubble Boy. God, yeah. I haven't seen that oh, movie yeah, in yeah. so long. I love Bubble Boy. Yeah, when she started like walking up to Squints, I swear to God, she looked like Heather Graham. Yes! yes. Oh, I love Heather yeah, Graham. Love oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Not now, like older Heather, not older, younger Heather Graham, like younger Heather Graham, older movie. He- I liked her in Austin Powers. Yes, Austin Powers. Yeah, Austin Powers. Yeah, Austin Powers. Well, even the Hangover, she still looked good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I had a big crush on her from when she was in Lost in Space. I liked Lost in Space. Uh, okay, because I watched crickets. <laughs> Remind me to insert some cricket noise right here. I can't. I've watched Scrubs. Scrubs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot. Dr. Holly Clock. Yes. Mm -hmm. There were some really good guest appearances on that show. Uh, Mandy Moore. That's so funny. Yep. That's so funny. That's so funny. Is it? (laughs) Is it funny? (laughs) Uh, Some other things Marley Shelton has also been in uh, Planet Terror. Death Proof. Mm-hmm. So for our Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino fans, uh, Never mm-hmm. Been Kissed uh, alongside uh, Drew Barrymore. And there it is right there. I can't believe I missed it. Bubble Boy. Yeah. Bubble Boy. Bubble Boy. She was 19 years old, by the way, when The Sandlot came out. 
Yeah, you can tell she's older than the other. Yeah, but, um, you know, so you're just... I don't know if she's supposed to play, like, a younger character in that movie or not, but there was a definite age difference between her and Squints, and I don't know if anybody else saw this when they were reading through some of the trivia of this movie. At the scene where uh, he's supposed to be kissing her at the pool, the director gave him one instruction. Keep your tongue (laughs) in your mouth. (laughs) Well, of course, what's funny, at the end of the movie, uh, it says that they got married and have nine kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And that's all I got for cast, guys. Do y'all have anybody else that y'all want to highlight? Anybody I missed? No. No? I don't think I'm good. I think we got most of them. Awesome. Well, then, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite character or actor or actress in this film what like when you watch this film who do you enjoy seeing the most on screen uh brooke we'll go with you first um so like the one i always remember is obviously uh ham or whatever his name is but he's not my favorite after watching this one i would say that benny's my favorite Mm. he just seems like the big brother of the group like he does seem a bit older than them um he like buys them, like pays for their ticket rides at the fair. When the bullies come up to them, you know, they kind of mention that like to Benny, like, why are you playing with these kids? Like, so he could be, he's cool enough to play with the actual baseball team or to be as good. But Benny just, you know, he likes to hang out with this game. And I don't know, he just uh, seems like a, a cool big brother. Yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. I like that. He's good at baseball. He, <laughs> he took the words almost right out of my mouth. <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> I have Betty and I, I put how how I love that when Squints got there, all his friends were making fun of him, and he's the only one that stood up for him. You know, that could have gone two different one one of two ways. Either Betty stands up for him and he stays there, or Squint I mean, not Squints. Um, Scotty leaves and he goes away, and then he has no friends and he's all alone for the whole summer. You know, mm-hmm. and but Benny, he took him aside and he said look you you can play with us you can have fun with us and even he didn't know how to, he had no idea how to play baseball at all and he just told him to put your put your glove in the air put your glove in the air and i'll take care of the rest you know and so he hit the ball it went in his glove and everybody's like okay he could play you know but if, if it were for benny that that could have been a totally different movie yeah benny helped him look good or look better than right. he was yeah mm-hmm. okay i could i like that I like that a lot. And so Robert just said that that's basically everything he had to say on that situation. Mark, what do you got? Um, I said, I said Benny and ham um, for two very different reasons, but uh, Benny, obviously I'm I'll reciprocate what Brooke and Robert both just said, but I also made note too. I saw in the trivia section on IMDb that the relationship between smalls and Benny was so genuine because the director had them hanging out for a few weeks before they actually started recording so that they could have that sort of like genuine bond between the two of them. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um, And they were so convincing that the other kids on the crew actually thought that they were like friends in real life. Um, But Benny also has one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I love Ham as well, just for his shit talking and his antics. <laughs> yeah. Like, whenever they're they're not only like whenever the bullies come to the sandlot, but also whenever they're playing the game against them, every batter that comes up, he's like, 
Oh, when he's in the stadium. Is that your sister in the outfield? Is she naked? <laughs> it's like, just the shit that he comes out what comes up yeah. with. I thought it was really funny. And like they actually have him as number two as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the whole s'mores scene and all that stuff. Like it's just good. Yeah, the s'more scene. I think that's uh, iconic right there, you know. Mm-hmm. Also gave You're us some of the most smalls. quotable lines. You're killing me smalls. Yeah. Uh I still use that. Oh line. yeah, all the time. Oh, yeah. I do at least <laughs> so we can not more all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's also just one of those lines where I, it just it translates into so many different things. Just remove smalls, insert whatever name you need there. You're just killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I am going to go a different route here. I didn't pick a kid, so I actually enjoy okay. watching James Earl Jones in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not one of the central characters of the film, but he still has an important role to play. Uh, he's a lot of fun to always watch in any of his roles, but uh, I really feel like he's an essential part of this. Maybe if I were a kid, I would have answered this question differently, but as an adult, I now understand the actual purpose that James Earl Jones serves, his character serves in this. He is the representation of that group growing up and moving on. That is the pivotal point right there. He helps, you know, basically disrupt those childish thoughts and, you know, everything like that. You know, like, there is no beast. It's just a dog. You should have knocked on the door. Why are y'all acting crazy? Um, You know, so he's basically kind of squashing out these whole childish ideas and stuff like that. But he's... Also, still fostering that baseball love. You know, hey, come around and talk baseball and stuff like that. But from that moment on, everything changed for them. That was that turning point where they were growing up. Things were going to be different from then on out, you know, and stuff like that. And that's what his Mm -hmm. character represents. It represents change. It represents, um, you know, you believing one thing. Well, here, this is the actual reality of the whole idea. If you would have just knocked on my door, I would have gotten the ball for you. You know, so mm-hmm. um, that's why I like his character because he's just and he's kind of he just kind of plays it in a fun way too. You know, he's always he's smiling. He's la- I mean, he's supposed to be blind, but you know, he's smiling. He's laughing. You can obviously tell he loves the sport and stuff like that. So I like James Earl Jones. I like in that scene too. Um, he offers to give Smalls the other ball. And Smalls yes. is like, well, well, no, like this actually has Babe Ruth's autograph on it. And he's like, so is this one. And the rest of the 1927 New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. And it, like Smalls is just like, you can't give me this. Like, it's too much, basically. And he's like, ah, it's just stuff. He goes, look at all my stuff. I have lots of great stuff. It, and it's just like, you can tell that he's at a point in his life where he just doesn't care about that menial uh materialistic sort of stuff like obviously these all have strong memories that he's tied to but it almost seems like he's ready to give that up to the next generation of kids yeah. oh <laughs> <laughs> and that was our intermission guys <laughs> <laughs> um yeah actually going off that i did have this as one of my lines um but during that scene like james Earl jones character just says like Okay, look, do this. All you have to do is come back here once a week and talk baseball with me. You know, that that's all he cares about. He doesn't care yeah. about all the stuff he has. He just wants to have company. Yeah, he just wants somebody to talk to. Yeah. He's Very probably there by himself a lot. Yeah, it's like a grandfatherly sort of line. Yeah. Right. Like, just, just come and talk to me. Yeah, you know, it's it's got to be a lonely existence, uh, you know, especially 
if you're blind, I mean, like, what are you going to see? What are you going to do? That's it. Like, he can probably hear the kids at the Sandlot playing. Yeah. Every day, yeah. Every exactly. day. They're the ones making all that racket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, that brings us to top scenes or sequences, guys. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll list my first one, and then we can go from there. So, for me, my one of my favorite scenes, strangely enough, is the erector set scene. Uh, you know, when he's in mm. his room and he's building uh, that really cool little <laughs> set and he shoots a marble at his mom um, and stuff like that. I, I was always jealous. I wanted one. I just wanted to do that. Mm. I thought it was cool. Um, fast forward to later in the movie, they're using they're an erector set again, but to build a vehicle mm. to go retrieve the ball and launch it back over the fence. And it's like these kids are kind of. Kind of very creative and ingenious yeah. in how oh, they're yeah. trying to retrieve this ball. Uh, you got to give them props here, and they're using everything at their disposal: erector sets, vacuum cleaners, uh, pulleys, and ropes. Yeah, and three stuff vacuum like cleaners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, just kind of genius level stuff. So I, I really like that erector set scene because I think it also. Um, it reminds us that not only are they kids, but I mean, it just shows us how smart they are that he can create something like that uh, as simple as mm -hmm. launching a marble or as simple or as complex as going to retrieve a baseball in another yard that he mm -hmm. doesn't have access to. Those erector sets, like that's a to toy that's like before its time. Mm -hmm. Like this movie takes place in the early 60s. Like that's crazy that they had something that complex in that time period. Right. It's pretty awesome. Like, I don't, yeah, it, it is awesome. It's a wicked toy. <laughs> It'd be really cool if they bring them back. Uh, like I said, I always wanted one. I thought it was the coolest thing <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to go next? For me, it's the, the pool scene. Mm. Everybody wanted to be squints in that moment. Every little kid <laughs> wanted to be squints in that moment. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's awesome. You, she pulls him out, and you think he's dying, and she's trying to do CPR. Then all of a sudden, he opens his eyes and has his little smirk on his face. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just went like <laughs> dead again. Yeah. And then he starts making out with this her. This man, all, all the other kids, the all they're like, kids, what? They're like, what? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> they don't believe him that he's actually dying because they know yeah. he can't swim. Yeah, they're like, "Come on, squints, pull through." I think that's one yeah, of the that's, best that's parts about scene. that. One of the best parts about that scene too is that he didn't tell any of them that he was doing it. Right. Yeah. Like he wanted that reaction to be genuine so that he didn't get caught. I've been playing. I can't it for take years. it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Lotioning, oiling. <laughs> Yeah. It does then, suck. They all got lifetime bans, though. Yeah, <laughs> Squints is the one that did it. <laughs> and uh, during that scene too, I love one of her ham is like walks around the pool in front of all the ladies. Yeah. He's like yeah, winking ladies, and waving. Hey. Confidence, you know, so, confidence yeah. is key. Yeah, cannonball. <laughs> um. I'll go just because I also had that as one of mine is squints kissing Wendy. Uh, and like Robert, you said, I said the, like the whole narrative of that scene is so accurate to what it would be like in real life at that age to witness a friend doing that. Yeah. How they, they were all like 
it was the stupidest thing like that we've ever witnessed, but also the coolest. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, the next scene I had was uh, where Benny. Bro, bro. What? Got oh, I'm so sorry, Brooke. Oh my God. It's all Brooke. good. It's your, it's your show, man. Oh, oh my God. Show. I'm skipping the line. Wow. All right. So, Brooke, what do you have, man? Uh, for me, it's actually the like the opening monologue scene, mm. um, because like you don't have Scotty's character, like the kid, you know, telling you all about his backstory and stuff. You have like the narrator talking about everything that he's doing, and I don't. Know, I just feel like it. It makes, I don't know, adds to the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, it is how it shows him, you know, his stepdad, Bill, and I, know, I just love how that opening is. Mm-hmm. The monologue and all that. Yeah. Well, it shows you the mindset that, you know, he's in as well. You know, he he's kind of assessing his situation. And to him, it's kind of a grave situation. You know, his mom's in a new marriage. They're in a new town. He doesn't have any friends and stuff like that. It can all—it's really pushing home that whole idea that it almost feels like the end of the world. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in a place—I I remember my first summer when we moved to Florida. I didn't know anybody, and I was so nervous to go to school and things like that. And it's just—it's one of those nerve-wracking situations. So many changes, so many uncomfortable things happening all at once, and that I think a lot of kids, especially, can relate to that inner monologue going on there. And I think it was like two weeks before the summer, so like he doesn't have that school time where he's in a classroom with kids making friends. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's right. not in school and they're in summer, so everyone's out doing stuff. Yeah, you literally know nobody during the summertime. You don't even know how to meet anybody. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Now you may proceed, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do feel bad. I'm sorry. I, my goodness. Um, well, so the the next one I have, uh, it's also the last one I have listed, but it's I think it's a really fun one. It's the one where Benny knocks the cover off the baseball. You know, when he hits the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. always appreciated that really cool effect. Um, but I also... I think rec- it, I think it symbolizes something different in the story as well. Uh, again, it's another turning point in the story that leads to you know obviously Scotty going to steal his stepfather's dad, uh, baseball, and it's going to create that entire storyline there. But it also talks about shedding. I, it's a I, to me, it's a symbolism for shedding this entire baseball sequence here. And, you know, now it's not about playing the game anymore. It's about uh, retrieving the ball, preserving what they have established and things like that. Basically removing the blanket of what you think is there. And now you're being exposed to everything underneath. And that's where the true depth of the story starts to kick in. So Mm. uh, that's where the symbolism comes in. But I also started to wonder how often or how possible is it that somebody can actually do that? Hit a ball so hard that the innards get knocked out of it. And believe it or not, it actually happens a lot more than you believe. It I happened in the natural, me. too. They made a movie. The yeah. natural yeah. happened. Yeah. Yep. I was uh, just about to bring that up in the natural. There's a whole sequence about that. A good Robert Redford, uh, Robert Duvall film. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's uh, there's an article. I have it pulled up on my phone here. It does happen, but there's... N- 
no way a 12 year old kid could do it yeah, right. I, think, I agree uh, with even, that yeah i think even kenny says like they say i think benny says oh sorry guys like we can't play ball anymore and kenny's like no this is amazing like it's only happened you know like once or twice before or something like that mm-hmm. yeah it actually it, it happens quite a lot so four years let's see when was this article written uh so five years ago now so this is march of 2020 five years ago um whoa I accidentally bryce harper um managed to He's do good. it yeah bryce harper did it uh jose reyes from the new york mets uh yeah. managed to do it also five years ago two years before that martin maldonado did it and he actually got to reach the base after doing it whereas mm-hmm. bryce harper did not uh ryan ludwig did uh javier ba- uh Baez, i'm Pretty sure I just screwed up his name. Javi um, Baez did it? Yeah, Baez. Thank mm. you. Javier Baez did. In uh, Division Two. Uh, a guy named Zach Tyson did. And uh, even in Little League, um, it has happened in a couple of Little League games here. And they gave a couple examples of that. So kids actually can. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so impressive. It happens quite a lot. That's that kid that you see on Instagram all the time. My name's so and so, and I hit dingers. No, that's uh, that's the kid uh, from the the bench warmers, the guy that pretends that he's like twelve years old. Yeah. <laughs> I am twelve. Yeah. <laughs> so I always like that, and I just like I always wondered: can I can just the average person hit the cover off a of baseball? Like, does the baseball have to be cheaply made? Can it happen in these professionally made baseballs? And it. It might just be like just where he hit the ball at, maybe right on the stitches or something. I was just going to mm-hmm. say that. I think it's just got to bust the stitches. And... Yeah. Or it could just yeah. be. Just, like just hit defense. it in the perfect spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be. Yeah. I mean, these but are. I know you... balls usually get inspected before, I mean, ma- before major league games. They're not just going to use any old ball. Yeah. What? I can't just go and like, hey, guys, I've had this ball yeah. sitting in my room for a while. <laughs> Here, use it if you need it. <laughs> Don't don't pay attention to the Babe Ruth signature, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, oh, never mind. I was thinking something else. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other scenes, guys? I wrote favorite? down the the whole treehouse scene as my mm, second. Nice. Starting yeah. with the with the s'mores. Mm. <laughs> you want how, you want a s'more? S'more of what? <laughs> no. Do you want a s'more? I haven't had anything yet. How can I have s'more of some of nothing? <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it goes into the whole story about the beasts with uh him chaining them up and his forever, <laughs> forever. <laughs> that was so like good. that lip protrusion that that actor yeah. <laughs> forever. Burr. Do that. <laughs> He That's does it later on too. Whenever they're trying to get the ball, he's like, "Farther, farther." Yeah. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> like all his facial expressions when they're calling, I think you got it. <laughs> he always looks so shocked. Pull it up, yeah. guys. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, does, does, had, does that does that extend into the sequences where they are trying to retrieve the ball too? So everything they're doing in the treehouse, they're like the explosion of the vacuum cleaners. 
Mm. Well, I wasn't going there. I was just going with the initial oh, treehouse okay. scene right, where they're doing right. the sleepover cool. with the s'mores and the story of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I had Benny's whole scene with the beast, like the, the chase scene, him jumping the fence, grabbing the ball, and the dog snapping off the leash, and they, he gets chased all through the town, through the movie theater, through like <laughs> this, uh, whatever it is, like a, a fair, I guess, but it's not a fair, it's like a I don't know. It was like, like a, a Fourth of July party or, party or like get yeah. together or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, I don't know what you would call that it, cake. But... <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> and then like the uh, Benny gets back and he hops the fence again and the beast like busts through a wooden part of the fence mm-hmm. and the fence falls down on it. And all the kids feel awful because they realize like, okay, this dog is just a dog mm-hmm. at this point. And, um smalls is the first one that runs over and he's trying to lift the fence up and it's just like it's kind of like a heartwarming scene i guess you can say because like you see the shift in the kids and like benny comes over and helps them lift the fence up and then that opens the door to the whole scene with james earl jones but i don't know i just really i like that scene just from beginning to end it's not a beast it's a it's not a monster it's just a dog who wants to play yeah, have exactly. to play with. Yeah, exactly. and even even after they lift the fence off of him, and Smalls is sitting there face to face with his dog, you can see that he's terrified. Mm-hmm. And the dog, being an English mastiff, just fucking slobbers all over his face, oh. <laughs> and then yeah. just like shows oh. them his cl- collection of baseballs. Like, hey guys, look at this. Yeah, <laughs> you look, play with play balls. Forever. I play with balls. <laughs> <laughs> We have uh English Mastiff that comes aboard um my boat at work all the time uh, and oh god I'm just like it's such a it's such a friendly dog such a wonderful dog but I don't like it when it wants to like come mm-hmm. up on me because it's just slobber everywhere. Yeah. They're one of my favorite dogs but I could never own one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want to admire from afar. <laughs> Um, so my final, else? yeah, my final scene. Um, the one that I always remember from watching this as a kid was the uh, the fair scene. Whenever they they shake the, I think uh, Bertram, I think it's Bertram. He's like, oh, I snagged this from my dad or something. It's the chewing tobacco. The chewing tobacco, yes. Yeah, and I can relate to this because I I've tried chewing tobacco once and I've never done it again. I think I was like fifteen. I ended up swallowing a bit of it, and that was it for me. I threw up so much, and uh, just you relate to these kids. Like, they're having such a good time on the ride, and then you see some of the kids start to feel sick, and just, like, the the throw-up is, like, so gross. Oh, it's so I funny, know. though. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and, like, I don't know if you guys have ever done Chew. Like, I did it a little bit in high school, and if you swallow it, like, you get just oh, pure yeah. nausea that's why i've never yeah, I've heard stories it. about that yeah it's disgusting i i try i tried dip once and like i i remember sticking it there in my lip and i i wanted to throw up just from that once i was just like yeah no, i don't want to do this never yeah but i think about that scene every time i like i go to a carnival or something like that and just like oh my yes um, so let's kind of go on this scene with whenever Benny buys like all of the, the ride tickets, 
What is it about Benny that you think that he wants to do all this for the these like his friends? Like it feels like he's putting a lot out there for them. Like it seems like he he has more than them, but then when they lose the ball like later on, they don't have money to buy a new ball. So like That's true. What do you what do you think like he gets out of all this? Like I think he just wants his friends to be happy. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just like, hey, you know, we're coming out here, we're having a good time, we want to celebrate, we just, you know, beat the pants off the bullies and stuff like that, so have a good time. It's on me, you know? It could be yeah. allowance money he had been saving up for a while, it could just be like his parents just say, hey, you know, make sure you take care of everybody. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's move on to quotable lines. Uh oh, we lost well, somebody. Who? Oh, Mark just messed. Mark messaged me. He said, Dis- "Did Discord fuck up for you too?" No, it didn't. Yeah, he's frozen. Mark, uh, no, there? I lost him. Period. Oh. Uh, he's starting to come back. Hello. There he is. Hey, there you are. Hello. Okay. We thought you zoned out for a bit because you were like looking at your phone. <laughs> like, is he not paying attention to me when I'm talking to him? I, like, are I we that know. boring? I don't know what happened there. I'm sorry, guys. It's all good, man. Uh, well, we're about to move on to quotable lines. So uh, obviously, we've you know hit all the basics. You know, um, you want more? You're killing me, Smalls, forever. But do we have any <laughs> other lines that really stick out to us, uh, Brooke? Why don't you name your um, so I got two. One of them I know for sure you brought up before, so I'll save that for a second unless someone brings it up. But uh, whenever Squints is getting CPR, I think it's Bertram. I forget which kid exactly, but he just he kisses her, and then someone says, "Oh man, he's in deep shit." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I laughed so hard when he said that. <laughs> It's fun, you know. It, I I was just uh I was just on Twitter earlier to uh this evening, and uh, I was talking about this movie, and just like someone had mentioned, man, that was the first PG, uh, film my parents let me watch, and I I was kind of like, okay, that's cool, and so I decided to chime in. I was like, yeah, when I was watching it, I had you know my son with me. Uh, during the last rewatch, and then there were certain things like you know that line and a couple other things. I was like, I don't remember that as kid, like as yeah. a kid, I don't remember mm-hmm. that line whatsoever. So I remember looking at him, being like, "Hey, dude, don't repeat that." <laughs> <laughs> like my bad. Oops. Well, she got Brooke. You said you had two. Uh, yeah. So the second one we kind of mentioned before, but uh, the final scene, whenever they're all the kids are fading away. And then Scotty's voice says, and Bertram got into the 60s. That just line made me laugh <laughs> so <great>. fucking hard. Because <laughs> this movie takes a place, I think it's like 62. Yeah. So you can probably assume that he got probably into, you know, marijuana and uh, just the 60s and what came with the 60s, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to agree with that wholeheartedly. And that's actually one of the lines that I had written down. Um you know, I remember this line kind of just going over my head as a kid, but as an adult, it hit me like he got lost in the 60s. Yeah, so man. today I was at work and I asked a guy that I work with, he's old, 
older than me. Um, and I'm just like, if I were to say that someone got lost in the 60s, what does that mean to you? And this is what he had to say. And let me actually pull it up because I, I had to go look up some of the, what he was talking about. He's like, to me, being lost in the 60s means that you were part of the counterculture of the 60s. I'm just like, what the hell is the counterculture of the 60s? And the counterculture of the 60s is basically an anti-establishment cultural phenomenon that was developed throughout much of the Western world in the mid-60s. It was a movement that gained momentum during the civil rights movement and continued to grow with the expansion of the American government uh, in intervention of Vietnam uh, and also uh, grew in popularity amongst the social groups that got involved with human sexuality, women's rights, traditional modes of authority, and then experimentation with psychoactive drugs, LSD, quaaludes, things like that. So now when I think of that line, got lost in the 60s or, you know, got into the 60s and no one ever heard from him again, it could either be that he just got so into this hippie culture, like the hippie culture that emerged from this, you know, they cremated communes, compounds, things like that. A lot of them disconnected themselves from regular America, you know, uh, no technology, uh, cut themselves off from everything they ever knew, ever wanted, stuff like that, and of course, drugs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Or there's the negative side of it, where people really got lost in those psychedelics. And I mean, there were countless lives lost just from overdosing of drugs and uh, the sex culture boom, where, you know, it was free love, it was the swinging 60s yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, and it could it could have a very negative connotation to it. So now when I hear that line, I actually think to myself, wow, that could either be semi-happy or just incredibly sad. Yeah. Make love, not war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make love, not war. Exactly. Mark, what do you got? I also have two. Well, I had three, but You're Killing Me Smalls was one of them. So. <laughs> uh, the first one I have is whenever um, Smalls first gets to the ball diamond and he can't catch shit, and Benny runs out and he's talking to him, and Squints yells out to him as Benny's coming back. He says, it's about time, Benny. My clothes are going out of style. <laughs> I just thought that was a really funny line. My wife was sitting beside me. I was like, I need to use that sometime because that's fucking awesome. Uh, and the next one is when uh, Babe Ruth comes to see Benny. He has two really good quotes, but I only put one of them down. Uh, the one that I have is, let me tell you something, kid. Everybody gets one chance to do something great. Most people never take the chance either because they're too scared or they don't recognize it when it spits on their shoes. And I just feel like that has so much merit to the way that we live our lives as adults now. Um, I've actually had this conversation with a buddy at work and I've said, like, I wish when I was in my early 20s that I would have been that person that took a shot on himself and said, fuck everything, quit my job and like dive into something that I really, really wanted to do because now it's too late. I like I have a house, I have a family. I can't quit that job now. Um, I need that money. I need that steady income. So I can't like I can't take a shot of myself the way that I could have back then. And I think that that's what 
this quote really means. I that wow. Yeah, I've never really thought yeah, about that before. That's awesome. I think we can all relate to that. Mhm. I like that. Hmm. Robert, what do you got? Um, uh, you know, we've said a lot of them already. Um, <laughs> but I, I I love the um I love that Squints is the one that hit the home. I'm not Squints. I'm sorry. Scotty's the one that hit the home run (laughs) over the fence with the Babe Ruth ball. Yeah. And then when he goes to get the ball, and Squints goes, Where'd your old man get the ball? I don't know. Some lady gave it to him. (laughs) She even signed her name on it. Some lady named Ruth, Baby Ruth. And they're all Babe Ruth. (laughs) He's like, I was going to put the ball back, but it was signed by Babe Ruth. Yeah, you keep telling me that. Who is she? <laughs> and you're like, what? Salt of the Swat, the King of Clash, the Colossus of Cult, Babe Ruth, the Great Bambino. Oh my God, you mean that's the same guy? Nobody <laughs> <laughs> finally realizes who Babe Ruth is. Uh, I love yeah. it. Uh, what else do I got? A lot of the stuff we already pretty much said uh, with the s'mores and killing me smalls and forever. And then, uh, like y'all were talking about earlier, when Ham's uh, behind the play and he keeps talking all the all the batters as they're coming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flies down. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked. <laughs> <laughs> Need to hurry this yeah. up. I'm going to get home it. for lunch. Um, (laughs) well, uh, we talked about the Bertram line, everything else that I would have had written down, we've hit on, but, uh, Mark, uh, you talked about two lines that Babe Ruth had during his, uh, Mm -hmm. time on screen. And I want to talk about the other line. Remember kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes Mm -hmm. get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart kid and you'll never go wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. I always like that. I always like that line, you know? So obviously, you know, this is from a dream that Benny is having about Babe Ruth and stuff like that. Uh, but this, that, that statement right there, legends never die is the foundation of lore. That's how, I mean, think about it. What's the big legend of this movie? The beast. Um, mm-hmm. It's the beast is not a hero. It's this lore, this thing that just kind of gets ingrained in all these kids minds and stuff like that. Uh, but Obviously, that line is bigger than that. You know, how do we want to be remembered or do we want to live forever? So do you want to be a hero or do you want to be a legend? Um, And I think uh, especially in the age that we're living in now where it's not just comic books, it's comic book movies and stuff like that, where we talk about these legends and things like that. Um, and they do go, they will go on to live forever, uh, whether it is in comic book form or movie form and things like that. Uh, it's just a, it's a fantastic line that can be brought across all the entire spectrum. I like it. Yeah, definitely. And that's all I got for lines. So, uh, plot holes, movie mistakes, nitpicks. Do we have any? There's a there's a lot of plot holes. A lot of plot holes, but <laughs> are they worth are they worth like you know kind of being upset over or does it ruin the movie? No. I don't think there's any that ruin the movie. There's a couple of nit- so nitpicks I have. Okay. Um one that I had is why didn't Bill have the Babe Ruth ball in like a glass case or something? Right. He just has this ball just out in the open. 
thought it was yeah. kind of dumb, but in the house yeah. with an eleven-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say at the same time, I guess he wouldn't have figured the eleven-year-old kid who doesn't know how to play baseball would go play baseball with it. That's you know, true. yeah. <laughs> but does he not know that he's going out and playing baseball with all these kids? Well, see, and I thought that too because at the beginning he tries to teach him how to play catch, and he's horrible. Mm-hmm, and then yeah. he gets the black eye, and then he starts yeah. going out and playing baseball with everybody. And then when Bill comes back, he says, "Hey, let's try to take another stab at this, uh, at at playing catch." And mm-hmm. he never tells him that, "Hey, I've been doing this all summer." You know, yeah. he says, yeah. "Okay, let's go do that." You know, kind of like, "Hey, this is this is our time." I'm not going to tell him that I actually know how to play baseball now. I'm going to let him try to teach me. You know, mm-hmm. try to be the father figure. Yeah, I was going to say maybe. Like that ball wasn't so much a collectible at that point, but I mean, it was. This movie took place in the '60s. Babe Ruth yeah. was like long retired, long dead by that point. Well, I don't know what year he died, but I mean, he was long he retired by that point. He did. Die he did. Young. Yeah, he was already dead. Yeah, but uh, so I mean, I guess at that point it would be considered a pretty hefty collectible, but. Yeah, that's something that should be like in a fucking safety deposit box or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I get I, um, I guess back then, like, was he worried about the collective value of it? I mean, he cherished it, obviously, for what it was. But, yeah, you know, if he was worried about the collective value of it, certainly it would be in a glass case, not collecting dust, not exposed to the elements, things like that. So I don't. I just don't know if that ever crossed his mind. Was that a, was that a big thing in the sixties? I don't know. I guess none of us can answer that question. At least he died. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say he died in forty eight at the age of fifty three. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's long, long dead by then. I was gonna say, like, at least explain to the kid, like, this isn't just something that I don't want you to touch because his mom does come in and say, like, oh, you know, he doesn't like when he when he touches stuff. Like, explain to him the significance of this. Like, right. Babe Ruth was the best ball player in that time period mm-hmm. whenever he played. Like, he was that iconic. Is, that is one thing that bugged me about the movie when I was rewatching the other day was when he went into his little trophy room to ask him to play catch with him. And he's putting stuff away. He doesn't say, hey, come in here. Let me show you this. Let me yeah. show you what this is. Let me explain this to you. He just kind of blows him off. Yeah, we'll go play catch one day. And just kind of goes about doing whatever he was doing. And Scotty's just kind of standing there at the door like, okay, cool. And then even when he was leaving, he was just kind of shutting the door slowly. And he kept looking in there because he was intrigued. But Bill still never said, hey, let me show you this cool stuff that I have, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Counterpoint. It is his stepfather, so they're still learning how to communicate with each other. So maybe it never once occurred to Bill, like, hey, let me take Scotty true. aside and let me show him this stuff. Neither, and Scotty's too afraid at that. Like, he didn't even want to go in there and ask Bill to go play catch. Right. He kind of forced mm-hmm. himself to do it. So they're, they're still learning how to communicate. I mean, that could be very much why he didn't explain any of that. Like, oh, here, let me show you something really cool. Although it would have been a gonna, great bonding experience in retrospect, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you can tell that Bill doesn't know how to be a dad. Right. Like, like this this is very new territory to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> Any, uh, anything else, guys? Uh, one thing that I had, uh, like, yeah, Benny's a great ball player, but whenever he tells Smalls to just stand out in the field, hold his glove up in the air... 
like I don't know anybody that has that much accuracy hitting a ball. That's a one in a million shot. <laughs> yeah. 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 But Benny's I a mean, legend. <laughs> I mean, I it's so small and minuscule, but like whenever it happened, I was like, come on. <laughs> That's a little far fetched. Yeah. One of those Hollywood fantastical things. It had to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one thing that bugs me in this movie, now don't come after me, but I think mm-hmm. the Wendy character is weird and very cringy. <laughs> okay. Because, like, whenever you first meet her and, you know, Squints, he's just a little kid, so, like, whatever, he's doing his thing, but she's walking towards him and, you know, she's giving him the eye and, you know, being flirty and stuff, and even after the kiss, whenever he comes back and is, like, waving to her and she's, like... Oh, you, you know, it's just, <laughs> you, you can tell that she's a lot older than him. And I don't know, I think it's kind of weird. Okay, I can agree with that a lot. Like when it's when it's him obsessing over her, I mean, most adolescent boys can relate to that whatsoever. When yeah. they turned it around and she was flirting with him or, you know, she just gave him the little smile and the nod and the wave and stuff like that. You're like, okay, I I can see where that gets cringy. And Absolutely. then they get married. Yeah, yeah. They have nine kids. Have nine kids. <laughs> <laughs> up and up until so. the up until the married part, I think, like the way I looked at it was like it was her just like kind of saying like, "Okay, kid, you got your shot now." Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious when up the road they reconnected. How old was he when she finally said? Okay, let's go on a date, you know, because at this point he's like 11 or 12 and she's like 17, 18, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Knowing yeah. Squints, he probably just kept pursuing it until she cracked. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're not yeah. married by 30, you yeah. have to yeah. marry me. First thing you did out of high school is go find her. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I'm of age now. It's We can do this. <laughs> That's funny. Anything else? Because I've got a couple here, not like nitpicks from my perspective, but actual some factual errors that I found interesting. Go for it. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one, a lot of it has to do with baseball and the time period. So the first one is um, Mr. Myrtle on his wall or uh, in his room has both Milwaukee Braves and Atlanta Braves memorabilia. In 1962, the Braves were still playing in Milwaukee. So 1962 is when this movie is taking place. They're still playing in Milwaukee and had not moved to Atlanta yet because that didn't happen until 1965. So uh, a little interesting fact there that uh, since both existed in there, it looks like the set designers were just trying to throw either just throw a bunch of baseball memorabilia in there and weren't paying attention. Or maybe they threw it in there and tried to see, huh, let's see if the baseball fans figure this out. Um, Yeah. The next one is in Bill's rec room, so the room where he keeps the trophies and the balls and stuff like that. He has a pennant of the athletics, um, of which only the bottom of this pennant is shown. The typeface matches that which is used by the Oakland athletics in the late 1980s, and the colors are the green and gold associated with the athletics. The Kansas City athletics did not begin using green and gold as their colors until 1963. So, a year after this film, a year off, play. yeah, yeah. Um, it seems to me though, with a lot of period movies, that anybody's going to find anything to nitpick. Like 
Oh, that toaster that that lady put the toast in did it come out for like two years after this this time period was made, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, I feel sure. like the athletics one was probably just a little too much of a nitpick. I, I did find the Milwaukee Braves one to be fascinating. Uh, there's one uh, where Benny has a 1970s San Diego Padres pennant in his room, but the Padres didn't oh. exist until 1969. So that, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. And then the other one was in some of the shots behind Benny, his Dodgers hat has the MLB logo on the back, but MLB caps didn't start putting the logo on until 1992, apparently. Yeah. So huh. just some stuff like that, that mm. when I was reading, I was like, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing you just said, Chuck, that's not actually a Dodgers hat either. Uh, I found it. So, somewhere. It was, it was Yankees a team hat? in the need. No, it was a team in the no, Negro he's... League. Oh, really? Uh, where did I see that? Because I thought it was the Dodgers too. But then, <clears throat> whenever I was reading through the goofs and whatnot, uh... yeah, I'm watching the movie right now, and it looks exactly <clears throat> like a Dodgers hat. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, where did I see it? I know that I saw it somewhere. But yeah, it was apparently a team for one of the. Yeah, because he ended up playing for the Dodgers. Maybe it wasn't that hat. Maybe it's a different hat. It might be the he... hat that he gave Smalls. Maybe because if he played for the Dodgers, you would think he grew up being a Dodgers fan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. He gave the he gave Smalls a hat with a C on it. Yeah. I'm not sure what the C meant though. I wasn't sure if it's for Cleveland Chicago. or something, but. Yeah, well, the Cubbies were blue and blue and red, and it wasn't the Cubbies. True, um, but I, yeah, I don't know what it was. I swear I saw it. <laughs> I believe Maybe you. I'm just dreaming. I do. <laughs> oh, and I was thinking I Yankees because there was there's also a part in the movie, I guess, where Porter is wearing a Yankees hat that has the MLB logo on it. Again, not introduced till 1992. Yeah, oh, that's well, a big difference there. There is a huge difference there. Uh, 30 years <laughs> while you're looking for that mark there is one more that i had so uh this one has to do with the fact of white baseball players versus black baseball mm -hmm. players uh so um james earl jones's character could have never challenged any record of babe ruth like he said um yeah. due to the unfortunate historical fact that major league baseball remained segregated until 1947 uh when jackie right. robinson broke that barrier um the record book on babe ruth was closed when he retired in 1935 so see i've never been too, able to when challenge I was watching that. the movie i think what i, I I'm, I'm just speculating here but i think what he meant was i, challenge, I mean um in the negro league he could have the records that he set there rival what Babe Ruth was setting mm. in the major league baseball. I, I'm speculating, but that I think that's what he meant because yeah, they were segregated there. So they would never been able to play against each other or together or any of that. It, yeah. It's funny that you actually mentioned that because later on I did read that, uh, that was brought into question because a lot of major league players, a lot of white major league players would actually go and what, what, what was the, let me see uh barnstorm, the off season yeah. with players from the Negro leagues. So there's actually a very good chance that yes, he could have challenged those records, even though they may not have ever been officially made record. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Did you find what you were looking for, Mark? Yes, and it's actually the hat that Kenny is wearing. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. It's the Kansas City Monarchs, and they were okay. Had the the red with the KC on it. Yeah. Yeah. So they were a Negro League team active from the nineteen twenty or from nineteen twenty to nineteen sixty five. Okay. Wow, all the way to 1965. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and there was another thing too. It's not a uh a plot hole or anything like that, but it was something that was really cool that I meant to bring up um during the beginning of this, if you don't mind, Chuck. No, go ahead, please. And Robert. <laughs> uh so in Benny it, I'm not used to asking permission from someone else on this show. Uh in Benny's dream, Babe Ruth says, I don't know why, but can I have this when referring to a Hank Aaron baseball card? And Hank Aaron would go on to beat uh, Babe Ruth's all-time home yeah. run record. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like, that was a pretty cool scene in the movie. Yeah, he was like, I don't know why, but can I have this? Yeah. yeah. One of those Henry cool little, Aaron. like, you know, things. And then at the same there. time, if that, was, if that wasn't a dream when I was real, I'd be mad because Babe Ruth just stole my Hank Aaron card. You know? <laughs> yeah, why is why is Benny dreaming about uh, Babe Ruth wanting to take all these cards or take that card? I guess. Why are you stealing from me, Babe? All right, guys. Well, let's rate this movie. So, where on a scale of one to ten in your own rating system would you place this movie, Mark? I'll let you go first. Uh, on Letterboxd, I give it a 4.5, so that equates to a 9 out of 10. Wow, okay. Cool. Why would you give it a 9 out of 10? Like, so, why so high? Well, like I said in my reasoning for picking this movie, this movie was like a staple of my childhood. Um, this rating may possibly be a lot of nostalgia factor, but I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine, I mean, it's fair. It's your rating. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but the feeling that I still get as a 32-year-old adult watching this movie, it just deserves a, a very high rating, in my opinion. I I can appreciate Thanks. that, absolutely. Uh, so for myself, I give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I still think this is one of the best uh, children, you know, coming-of-age movies. Um, it's always a fun watch. I don't watch it that often, but I do put it on every couple of years. A um, couple of things, like it's a kids' movie, so like the scene with uh, the dog, like obviously it's like totally overblown with <laughs> the way that they make the dog look, but you know it just adds yeah. to their the kids' story of it. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a good movie. Um, there isn't really like a main character in it, I don't think. Like it's kind of shared, I think, between Scott, Scotty, and uh, Benny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how during the movie they show Benny like his thing is to steal home plate. Like he's always in between third base and home plate. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get him out like two or three times during the movie, and then yeah. like, the final scene is him stealing home in the uh, the major leagues, and Scotty's there to cheer him on. Got to um, get yeah. him out of that pickle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a seven out of ten for me. Nice. I like it. Nice. Robert? I'd have to go with an eight. Um, this movie, I I haven't watched it as much lately as I used to watch it. And like I was saying earlier, when I, when I watched it, it just, like, 
I want to rewatch a movie and I'll play on my phone or I'll do other things. And this movie, I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I just watched it, you know, I just yeah. sat down and I'm like, man, I forgot how much I love this movie, you know? And I honestly forgot James Earl Jones was even in the movie. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. Oh yeah. James yeah. Earl Jones is in this movie, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's a good movie. You can just watch whenever, whenever and just feel good, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of nostalgia too, being um, in my childhood and being around their ages when it came out. So it's, it's, a, it's a good movie, fun movie to watch. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, I am going to give it a nine. Um, nine out of ten. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie, despite some historical inaccuracies, it's a gem. It really is. Um, mm-hmm. It is something that no matter what year it is, or you know how I'm feeling, or something like that. Uh, kids, especially boys, you know. So us, we we can relate to this. You know, everything, friendship, play, uh, imagination, love, lusting after the older woman. You know, everything about growing up. It, it really is. It's just absolutely fun to watch, and uh, I, I I take away something from it on almost every rewatch so uh to again channel my boys over at porcelain peak i give it nine s'mores <laughs> nine nice. s'mores nice nice, nice. <laughs> and uh miscellaneous thoughts to wrap everything up guys do we have any uh final thoughts on this movie before we bring it to a close no i don't think so uh, i wrote down a couple things just a couple like little trivia tidbit things lay it on us um the, the vomit used in the right scene was made from slip uh, split pea soup baked beans oatmeal and a little water and some movie gel so uh they use paint guns to discharge it and they actually nailed a few people <laughs> in real life by accident <laughs> the chewing tobacco was made of beef jerky and licorice oh that that right there is gross licorice. Terrible combination. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. that would have made me throw up. You we wouldn't even even need to make the fake throw up. That would have made me throw up. <laughs> oh. I love the transition in that scene too. Like they're all having a great time, and then all of a sudden, it just like pans to each one of their faces, <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, it's coming. Yeah, they're gonna vomit everywhere. So the original title of this movie was called "The Boys of Summer." Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The writer, director, narrator of the movie ripped the story from real life. His brother, like Scotty Smalls, was an outcast who tried to get on the good side of some local kids by retrieving their baseball from the yard from a ferocious dog. Hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, let's see what else I got here. I got a couple things. I got a, a weird one about uh, in here. Apparently, somebody, let's see, the Sandlot was the center of a lawsuit that eventually had a major impact on Hollywood. A man named Michael Polydorus sued 20th Century Fox, claiming that his former classmate, David Mickey Evans, had based the character of Michael Squints on him and that it caused his embarrassment and humiliation. A judge decided that there was a, wasn't enough similarity to justify the lawsuit meaning the movie studios could continue using the character inspired by the real-life people. Oh, my God. Some people, yeah. man. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, I thought that, that, I figured that'd be flattering, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wear glasses. I'm going to... Yeah, oh, you yeah, that, that yeah. must be me, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I got. 
All right. Well, I got yeah, one. Yeah, I think we're good. Just one little one here. So going back to that line on you're killing me, Smalls. So this is actually a paraphrase of a famous quote, apparently. Uh, they're killing me out there, Whitey, spoken by Denver Broncos coach Lou Saban. And the line was also okay. paraphrased uh, the year before in another baseball-themed film, A League of Their Own, where Tom Hanks is like, you're killing me, Hamilton. I'm not going to say the rest of it, but basically he he curses, is like, you're blank, blank, killing me. I don't like that okay. curse word. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it's a f- again, just a fun line. It fits in everywhere. Yeah, for sure. I actually found a couple of little other tidbits I meant to say. Um, Scotty Smalls was actually a pretty, it was a terrible baseball player in the movie, but in real life, uh, his or the guy who played him, Tom Gurry, was not that bad. In fact, Gurry had been playing on a little league team before joining the cast of the movie. They had to have someone teach him how to look like he didn't know what he was doing because he was having a hard time forgetting his baseball technique. <laughs> when the movie eventually premiered, Gurry joked that. His uh, little league coach was not happy with his obvious lack of skill at the film. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's about it. That's all I got. Awesome. Well, guys, we're gonna. Cl- I, well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, one thing I meant to note. Uh, it's not a plot hole or a nitpick or anything like that. But one thing I noticed while I was watching is that there's a montage of them all hitting the ball mm-hmm. and Benny is the only one that looks like he's actually swinging a baseball bat properly. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Proper stance. All that. Fun Not stuff. so much the stance, but like the swing, mm-hmm. like a lot of yeah. the guys are holding their hands, like right down at the very end of the bat. And it's just like a floppy swing, but Benny yeah. actually looks like he's solid with his bat. So I was wondering if he was actually a ball player in real life but it's so i didn't say anything of, about that but yeah he could have been i don't know it's, it's kind of ironic that you said that uh that scotty actually was yeah that could have been purpose i mean that too. would be kind of hard though you know yeah. when you're used to playing baseball your whole life and then you're all of a sudden said hey pretend like you don't know what you're doing you know yeah yeah it's almost second like nature when you've been doing it well maybe he was like the only one that really was good at baseball Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought say that might have been purposeful. Like the director said, like Benny, you are the baseball player. Everybody else out here is just you know there. So they they yeah. could all be horrible at swinging, and there's Benny taking everything seriously. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I like that. Okay, well, I think that brings us to a wrap on this movie, guys. Uh, Great discussion. I loved it. Everything was really cool. Mark and Brooke, thank you again for joining us on this one and suggesting this movie. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I really enjoy re-watching this. I I enjoyed making all my notes on it. I think I did a little bit more research on the 1960s than I really should have, but hey, (laughs) I learned a lot, quite honestly. Maybe I should type up a report to go along with this. Um, Real quick, before we uh, go ahead and close this out, one more shameless plug for a podcast on Elm Street. All right. Like I said in the beginning, we are a weekly horror movie review podcast. Uh, Each week we discuss a different horror movie that generally one of us picks. Uh, This month we're in our September sequels month, so we kind of have everything planned out already. 
so far this month, we've discussed Aliens and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, which will be releasing this week. Um, and yeah, I mean, check us out on Instagram. There's links in our bio for some cool shit. And uh, yeah, we're always open to talk or do collaborations like this. Absolutely. And I'll make sure that uh, that link to your Instagram account is in the episode notes here as well. And then, uh, guys, we are Chuck and Ruff, and we go to the movies every couple of weeks to talk different movies with different guests and stuff like that. So be sure to keep uh, tuning in. Again, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be happy to... Uh, I'm not going to say bore you throw all, uh, all our <laughs> that bore, you. bore you i'm gonna cut that out uh, we'll be happy to throw all to of death. our uh, enthusiasm for movies at you every couple of weeks uh with all the different guests that we have going on and stuff like that so uh thank you again for joining us guys uh stay tuned as season three progresses and as far as everything else going on in the world if you feel like braving it go out and see a movie Brooks says he's been seeing a bunch of movies lately and uh, stay safe out there and we will see you next time at the movies. <laughs> <laughs>